Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. Very soon, you may think nothing of walking into a restaurant and having your temperature checked before sitting down to eat or being stopped before boarding a flight just to make sure you're not running a fever. A hassle, but necessary. Thermal imaging scanners, or fever detection cameras, as some companies call them, could be part of the road back to normality. But do they actually work? From London, the world's Orla Barry has more. Every morning when I walk into the main BBC building in London right now, I'm faced with a choice. Do I get my temperature checked or not? There are two lanes in the lobby. One leads you through a thermal imaging scanner. It's basically a computer screen that you stop in front of and there's a camera a little distance away that picks up your temperature. The other lane just puts you straight through the revolving doors and into the building. Today, I chose to have my temperature checked. There's a security guard standing by. How are you? So I've stopped in front of a screen and it says 36.9, which... Which is all right. Is yeah, that all as right? Long as your temperature's not over 37.8 degrees, you're cool. You're cool to be in the building. 37.8 degrees is 100.04 Fahrenheit. I asked the security guard what he would do if the computer screen registered my temperature as higher. I'd have to tell you to sit out for five minutes. You check it again after five minutes, and if it's still over this temperature... You'd have to go home, unfortunately. I'd have to go home? Yes, yes. Being told to go back home might not be such bad news for me. But for some workers, it could mean losing a day's pay or worse. Lewis Maltby is president of the National Work Rights Institute in the US. He says he's nothing against temperature checks for workers per se. The problem in some countries is the long wait for a COVID-19 test. Unfortunately, we don't have any testing capacity to speak of. Now what happens is when an employee shows up with a fever, the employer assumes that they're COVID-19 positive and sends them home, possibly without pay, and who knows when they'll get back to work. And there's another issue. Your temperature doesn't just go up when you're sick. It spikes after exercise, if you're sunburnt or menopausal and having a hot flash. Ezra Merrill is Vice President of Marketing and Strategy with Flare Systems, one of the world's largest producers of thermal cameras. He says when used correctly, the scanners don't display a high temperature if you've just had a workout. It's critical that you use the thermal camera in the right way. You want to look at that point near the eye, near the tear duct, to get a reading. We have not seen an impact from people exercising that would stop them coming through our screening system. But Jay Stanley is not convinced. He's with the American Civil Liberties Union and has just published a report on temperature checks and COVID-19. 
With limited exceptions, the remote standoff thermal scanners tend to be very inaccurate. The scanners are less accurate when a subject is moving, when a subject is far away, when the subject is viewed from the side. These are scanners that can be interfered with by sunglasses, by hats, by hair on the forehead. Add all of this up, and these are very, very finicky machines. But finicky or not, demand for these thermal cameras has never been so high. Ezra Merrill says they've had requests for scanners from almost every sector in the last two months, from airports to football stadiums to hospitals and retail outlets. So have their cameras actually detected anyone with COVID-19? I can say that, well, (laughs) we have them deployed in our offices and we picked up a person that had an elevated temperature. They didn't have coronavirus, but they went home and were sick over the weekend. The ACLU worries that factories and other industries are introducing the scanners mainly for show. Here's Jay Stanley again. I think there's an element here of what's been called security theatre to convince people that they're safe, but it can create a false sense of security in people. Oh, I was past the screening at the door, so now I'm not going to worry as much about more effective measures like social distancing. The BBC says it's introducing the scanners to ease anxiety among staff about coming back to work. Right now, it's up to me to decide if I want my temperature checked at work. But the BBC, like many companies worldwide, is planning to soon make that mandatory. And it's likely to meet some resistance. In the first week of trialling the scanners, Adair says the majority of BBC staff chose not to walk through them. If workers refuse, then what can companies do to start returning to some form of normality? Lewis Maltby, with the National Work Rights Institute, says the answer may not actually lie with the bosses. Unfortunately, there's not that much employers can do. They don't control the testing capacity. You could ask them to be a little more careful about who they send home. But the real answer is more testing capacity and employers aren't in control of that. Jay Stanley from the ACLU agrees. He says everyone already knows the measures that are needed and they're not that high tech. It's testing, it's social distancing, it's contact tracing. And that is where the resources need to be devoted. And if temperature checks divert resources from those other more effective techniques for stemming the spread of this disease, then they are not just useless, but they're actively bad. For The World, I'm Orla Barry in London. Around the country, thousands of meat and poultry plant workers have been diagnosed with COVID-19. Last month, the CDC said there were around 5,000 cases of coronavirus in meat processing facilities. However, nonprofit organizations estimate that today that number is closer to 20,000 people. So far, 66 workers have been confirmed dead, although that number could be higher. Despite the health risks, the Trump administration ordered that meat plants stay open during the pandemic. And this has led to counties with these facilities to have twice the rate of infection compared with the national average. So let's talk about how it's affecting workers and why it's such a problem. Tina Vasquez is a gender justice reporter with PRISM, and Nicole Norea is an immigration reporter for Vox. Tina, Nicole, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Shamita. 
So, Nicole, why don't we start with you? Why exactly has coronavirus spread so quickly in these meat and poultry plants? Is it the working conditions there or something else? Yeah, it's the working conditions both inside the plants and outside the plants. Even in normal times, meat packing is is backbreaking work with workers having to haul these huge cuts of meat and carve them into market-ready portions on the production line for relatively low hourly wages. On the production line, workers are often standing shoulder to shoulder, and in those kinds of settings, it's difficult to promote social distancing unless the plants significantly reduce their capacity. Some plants have already done so, but at the same time, President Trump has also ordered the meatpacking plants to stay open and encourage them to keep working at full capacity in order to ward off meat shortages. So mm-hmm. um, some plants may not be may be taking that drastic action. Also, plants are now taking employees' temperatures and handing out additional protective equipment, but workers might still spread the virus unknowingly if they're asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. There, There's also research suggesting that the virus might survive longer in the cold, kind of humid air of meat packing facilities. Um, they're required to stay that way based on federal guidelines um, for food safety. Oh, wow. So it, it may s- spread as an aerosol, um, also via the kind of aggressive ventilation systems that they have in these facilities. And in the local communities uh, where the workers live, they tend to sort of live in, in cramped shared housing and commute together, sometimes on company-provided buses. A recent Bloomberg analysis actually found that since Trump issued his executive order requiring the plants to remain open, infections in the counties near these large meat packing facilities have actually risen at more than twice the national rate. And Tina, you've been speaking with a lot of workers at these plants in your reporting. What do the working conditions look like in the facilities and what are you hearing from people inside? I think the most troubling part of it is that the workers that I've spoken to say that there's a total lack of transparency from the companies that they work for. I've been focusing on Mount Air Farms in rural central North Carolina. Um, A lot of people are not showing up to work and workers are unsure if people aren't showing up because they're afraid of contracting the virus or if because they're sick with the virus. Mm. And so several women that I've spoken to have told me that they've asked their manager, supervisor directly if they've come into contact with anyone in their areas on the line who've contracted the virus. And they are told that that is protected information or confidential information that they won't be sharing. Um, There are new CDC guidelines for poultry processing plants in which it's recommended that employers tell workers if they've come into contact with people who've contracted the virus, but that doesn't seem to be happening, um, at least among the workers that I've spoken to in North Carolina. And they've also reported that you can't distance from the person. I mean, these are people who are working on a line, doing repeated movements. Um, Mm -hmm. They are shoulder to shoulder with other workers. Um, In North Carolina, in particular, testing is not being done um, at the levels that it needs to be done. So people are asymptomatic and they're going to work um, or they want to get tested, but there isn't information about where they can get tested. There's a lot of fear in the community about whether it costs a lot of money. Um, There are language access issues. So even people who want to get tested have told me that they have no idea how to get tested. And in Mm. North Carolina, unless you're showing symptoms of COVID, then you're not going to get a test. Nicole, you mentioned that executive order. President Trump signed it uh, last month, invoking the Defense Production Act to keep plants open during the pandemic. Did that executive order lead to any meaningful outcome for workers? Uh, Some plants have closed, right? 
Some plants have closed, yes, but um, he wants the plants to basically reopen in accordance with federal guidelines. Mm -hmm. The problem is with those federal guidelines that some agencies have been issuing in order to protect workers, they're not actually enforceable. They're basically sort of kind of suggestions and there's no real uh, accountability mechanism built in. So actually hundreds of worker rights groups are are petitioning Congress to pass a bill that would require the federal government to issue um, an emergency emergency temporary standard to prevent the spread of coronavirus in the workplace. Um, and that would be enforceable. So as Tina mentioned, we, we just haven't seen these plants really following through with some of the federal guidelines, and, and that would really help. Um, but in terms of, of what Trump's executive order has actually done, it's sort of more of a semantic flourish than actually um, ordering these these plants to produce a certain amount of meat on behalf of the federal government, but it does have the the effect of discouraging the plants um, from from taking more drastic action mm. to prevent the spread of coronavirus in their plants. And when you talk about labor organizing, I mean, what sorts of things are they asking to be codified for these plants to be doing differently? So um, they basically just want to enact cleaning standards, screening practices. Um, uh, standards around the administration of personal protective equipment and social distancing, um, all of these kinds of basic protections that we would hope employers are, are enacting even outside of meatpacking plants. Mm. And these um, things are not being standardized at the moment, you're saying? I mean, they are through federal guidelines, but those guidelines are not enforceable, unfortunately. Mm. Tina, I understand that around one third of people working in these facilities, and most likely more than one third, are from immigrant communities, and many of them are undocumented. Does that mean that they are particularly vulnerable as workers? Yeah, I mean, I, what, what's been really interesting to learn as I've reported on the conditions in North Carolina is that when poultry processing plants talk about the protections that they're offering to their employees, that often doesn't encompass an entirely different workforce that makes up, I would say, a bulk of their workforce, which are undocumented workers who aren't considered direct employees of these companies, but rather hire through a staffing agency. Mm -hmm. um, often that's how undocumented folks get jobs at these facilities. It's they're considered employees of the staffing agency, which means they get paid less, they have fewer protections, they don't have health care. And this can, this creates a lot of additional hurdles, especially during a pandemic. I mean, um, at Mount Air Farms, when the National Guard was rumored to be coming to help carry out massive testing, uh, people in the community were afraid of what that meant for them, if they were confused, if that meant that immigration enforcement would be taking place. People are afraid to go to hospitals to get tested because they're afraid of being asked for identification. Um, so when you have you know, a large percentage of the workforce that is an undocumented community and they don't have access to information in their language. They're afraid of immigration enforcement, which has taken place in central North Carolina. We've seen large raids of different workplaces, including these poultry processing plants. Mm -hmm. um, it creates an environment where people are afraid to ask for more information. They're afraid to seek the health care that they need. It creates insurmountable barriers for different communities. And what does labor organizing look like when these people are already afraid to be speaking out because of possibly because of their status? I mean, it could be that organizing is happening and that it's not public. But among the women that I've spoken to who work at these poultry processing plants, they mostly describe conditions of like mutual aid among workers where they're some of them have said that 
the companies aren't telling them any information about the size of the outbreaks. And so they're relying on information from each other. They're providing childcare to each other. They're providing food to each other. I mean, I think that's its own form of organizing, but it's less formal Mm -hmm. than I guess what we think of it. But there is a lot of mutual aid happening. But what's unfortunate is the lack of transparencies. They can't develop an understanding of the risk they're taking by going to work if they don't have the information that they need. And if it's not coming from the companies, then they're watching the news. So people who work at specific plants learned about outbreaks at their own plants by watching the news in Spanish. But the downside of that, of course, are rumors that circulate when large percentages of people aren't going to work. They don't know if they're sick or just afraid. And so rumors circulate that you know, there could be thousands of cases or hundreds of cases or this person is sick or that person's sick, but there's no way to confirm. Um, so they rely on the information that they have. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. We actually have seen uh, some employees staging walkouts at major meatpacking facilities. And um, one even anonymously filed a lawsuit against their employer, Smithfield, which is one of the lar- nation's largest pork producers. But Republicans are actually fighting to shield businesses from these kinds of lawsuits and liability if their employees contract coronavirus, which would make it that much harder for these employees to stand up for their rights. I want to ask you, Nicole, you know, our Friday politics host, Amy Walter, she recently spoke with Mayor Quinton Hart from Waterloo, Iowa. And in his city, there was an outbreak of coronavirus at a local pork processing plant that's owned by Tyson, and the plant was later closed. So here's what Mayor Hart had to say. There is a direct correlation between Uh, a strong agricultural base, uh, a healthy workforce, production flow, and the impact to local and national economies. If you you don't have um, a protected workforce or if you have a workforce where large numbers are not feeling well or could have potentially contracted the virus, then you don't have production. And with that many people calling in sick or unable to work due to the virus, no matter what you do, you're not going to produce at the same level. So that's Mayor Hart in Waterloo, Iowa. Nicole, what have we been hearing from local politicians and industry leaders? Are there efforts to help the workers in these conditions? Certainly on a local level, we've seen officials um, administering guidance and um, requiring local facilities to close. Um, There was one Smithfield facility, I believe, that was forced to close upon basically an ordinance from local officials. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's completely right in the sense that uh, I I think the worker safety problem is um, not distinct from the problem with shortages in our meat supply. And keeping the the facilities open and without additional protections for workers isn't going to resolve the shortages that we're seeing in supermarkets across the the country right now. It really is about protecting those workers, and only then can we get production levels back up somewhat. Tina, something that you tweeted caught my attention. You said that what's happening in these plants is an immigrant rights and a worker rights issue, but it's also a gender justice issue. Can you explain that? How does gender play into this? When I started to do this reporting, I did not set out to cover it from a gender justice angle. I really thought that these would be immigration stories. Um, But as I started to do my reporting and more and more people wanted to speak to me about the conditions that they were seeing in the plants that they were working at, um, they were all women. And Mm. 
I didn't know if that's just who happened to be speaking out or if that's who's working in poultry processing plants. I mean, I um, had ideas or assumptions about who I thought worked at these facilities, and it turns out that I was wrong. I started to ask around, you know, whether it was North Carolina or Mississippi. Um, there are large percentages of women working at these plants. I mm. spoke to a woman last week named Luce, and I asked her directly, is it just that women for whatever reason, feel more apt to speak out? Or is it that large percentages of people who work at these plants are women? And she said that it was both, um, that women are the breadwinners, that women have to take care of their children, um, that they're juggling all of these different roles and that they have the biggest risk to take and the most to lose if they get sick because that means that they can't support their families. It means that they can infect their children. Um, if they live in multi-generational homes, it means that they can make their parents sick. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think it's a combination of the two, that, that women, for whatever reason in North Carolina, want to speak out, but also that they make up a large percentage of this workforce. Tina Vasquez is a gender justice reporter with PRISM, and Nicole Norea is an immigration reporter for Vox. It was really great to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Billy Holiday, I sing your blues. Bet your life against me and I swear to God you'll lose it. Motherfuck the cops, we still singing for St. Louis. Motherfuck the cops, we still singing for St. Louis. Motherfuck the cops, we still singing for St. Louis. This is St. Louis Public Radio. The economic downturn during the coronavirus pandemic has sparked fears that some African-American businesses in the St. Louis region may not survive. Times are tough for many businesses, but black business owners have long had to struggle with limited access to bank loans and government aid. As St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports, black business owners say they'll have a hard time recovering from this crisis. On a normal day before coronavirus, Drake's Place Restaurant in Ferguson was bustling. Customers were ordering fried shrimp, potatoes, and green beans. Servers rushed from table to table, and the kitchen runners hurried orders to the chef. But that sense of normalcy is gone. Now, Bridget Lewis, the co-owner of Drake's Place, again, finds herself in a difficult situation. The drastic decline in sales took her back to 2014, when Ferguson exploded after a police officer killed Michael Brown Jr. The Ferguson effect has been there ever since the unrest happened. So we were always just kind of breaking even or not making it at all. It took about two years after the protests for Drake's Place to hold steady. Recently, business took off when a national television show featured the company. But now, some days, they only bring in a couple hundred dollars. When St. Louis County shut down on March 23rd, Lewis was forced to close her dining room and shifted to curbside delivery and takeout only. She applied for and received a federal loan through the Paycheck Protection Program, but it's only temporary. We've seen anywhere from 50 to 75 percent decrease in revenue. So this has just been devastating. And like I said right now, I can hold my hand out and not it's not shaking because we were blessed to get that loan. After this money is gone, I don't know what's going to happen. Like many African-American business owners, Lewis spent her life savings and refinanced her home to open the restaurant. So for her, felon is not an option. COVID-19 highlights the systemic issues that confront black business owners in the region. 
Valerie Patton says she sees disparities similar to Lewis's all the time. She is the St. Louis Regional Chamber's executive director of its St. Louis Business Diversity Initiative. Many of our Black businesses, Hispanic-owned businesses, use the equity in their home to start the business. So in many cases, they go to large banks where they may not have a relationship And those dollars and resources have already been allocated. Patton points to banking to explain what she means. Many white-owned banks do not understand how valuable black businesses are to their communities. And that keeps them from getting loans. Our communities where we had things in the past have basically been decimated. So here, even in the St. Louis region, there was a time when we had a black bank. We don't have that black bank anymore. Patton says generally, black owners do not come into business with the same assets as white owners, a great credit score, a lawyer, or an accountant. And these barriers often hold them back from accessing the necessary capital from white-owned banks to sustain a company. The $2.2 trillion emergency coronavirus fund passed by Congress only gave $10 million to the Minority Business Development Agency. Patton is concerned about the survival of black-owned businesses in the region, and she's not alone. Sheila Little Forest is also afraid of what the region will look like without those businesses. When I drive down the Antrim Bridge and I see the places closed, my heart just cries. Little Forest owns a North St. Louis County hair, beauty, and accessory store called Afro World. It's been around for 50 years. She now only sells products online, including masks in bulk. Little Forest applied for the first round of PPP funding, but still hasn't heard back from the government. When I saw that... Places like Harvard, the Ruth Chris, were getting that stuff. My heart dropped because in the back of my mind, you know, they get black people and you don't get nothing. It was almost like you put a noose around my neck again. And we've been through that all of our life. We're tired of that. We're tired of always being lynched. Little Forest says her business is surviving through online sales, but she's unsure how long that will last. I don't write the future. I'm just living in the moment. And for many black business owners, that moment is bleak. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, May 29, 2020. So I have been told, although it feels like it could be 2014 or 2016 or a number of other years what do I mean this is workplace racism that's what we're gonna talk about but if you heard like at the beginning like before we started the audio segment I had the audio playing from 2016 and they were talking about workplace and they said man it's been such a a tough couple of days man we had those black guys and they got shot and everybody's been talking about it and wow it just you've had people coming in to work right from protests and all that tension in the workplace I said oh wow are they talking about Mr. Floyd oh wait a minute no they're not talking about Mr. Arbery because this is from 2016 they're talking about Philando Castile Alton Sterling That's what they're talking about from 2016. And then we got to the end and they talked about black businesses in St. Louis struggling, difficult, white supremacy, racism. I don't think they even use the word racism in that report. But they talk about all that in St. Louis 
And the victim, business owner, she said, wow, the Ferguson effect, not the white supremacy racism effect, but the Ferguson effect, which is not descriptive, in my opinion. That's just the name of the town. Uh, and it took us two years to recover it from the, the Ferguson effect. What is the Ferguson effect? Is she talking about when Alton Sterling and Fa- oh no wait a minute this is 2000 she's talking about Michael Brown Jr. and Eric Garner the summer that they were killed and everybody was out protesting and tear gas and no we could just sit around and just keep doing the same thing we already have our t-shirts I've said that a number of times we have our hashtags we don't even put the name on it we just leave it blank we have our placards ready to roll same speeches we just have everything on standby you'll have this every day under the system of white supremacy racism maybe not every day but it's going to be pretty regular not even the rona stops black males from being shot down choked stomped on in broad daylight that is the system of white supremacy racism so all of that the same thing that we said in 2016 and the same thing we said in 2014 and if we still have a system of white supremacy racism it will be the same thing that we say in 2024 uh, we are not talking about any of this in the workplace somebody asks you what you think about Mr. Arbery or you know did you see them out looting Minnesota what do you think about that looting in the streets my goodness I haven't been paying attention. I've just been trying to keep my hands washed and social. Di- Matter of fact, social distancing. I wouldn't even say that. Wait a minute. <laughs> social distancing. Like I will talk to you a little later, Bob, Helen. I have to talk to you a little later. If it's, you know, something where we got to, this is a powerful white person or you're more concerned. You're not that direct. I haven't really been paying attention. Oh, wait, a minute. <laughs> let me give all the short ones first. The short ones. I don't discuss politics in the workplace. That's one everybody should have in your bag because you can use that for anything at any time. But I don't discuss politics in the workplace. I don't have anything. And I, the last part isn't even necessary. It stops. I don't discuss politics in the workplace with a smile. Social distancing, no politics. Now, if it's got to be more, I haven't really been able to pay attention. It's just been a lot of chaos. I, uh, yeah, have to follow it. Don't really know. And then it goes immediate to a question. Have you been paying attention? What do you think? Man, you just sit and listen. Again, we should be social distancing. So all these conversations shouldn't be happening. None of this is related to the workplace. So, you know, let's social distance and get back to business. Anywho, neutralizing workplace racism, our normal broadcast for Fridays. Uh, the number is 605 313 Five one six four. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Number again six zero five three one three five one six four. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate email for those if you're not able uh, to dial in via phone uh, or if you you know just have concerns about being recognized want to keep some anonymity uh, feel free to drop us an email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com we can keep it you know 
secret, no name revealed. Uh, if you have either suggestions or if you have your own situation and you would like uh, commentary, feedback, we'll try to give uh, logical counter-racist perspective uh, to help solve problems without creating new problems. Enormous qualifier there. Solving problems without creating new problems. Alrighty. Number of things in the audio clips. Uh, I mentioned the piece about St. Louis, but kind of going in some semblance uh, of order. If we have any folks here if they have any sort of biometrics temperature reading happening in your workplace, I know there's some businesses in operation here in the Washington state area where they have uh, kind of been bragging about that, that they've been doing temperature checks of their uh, employees to make sure everybody is healthy and you know, all of that. But I'm just curious, any folks, uh, are they doing that? Uh, Cause I don't believe we've heard that is anybody's uh, jobs. Are they doing that? Are they checking people's temperature and, you know, sending people home uh, if it, looks like up oh, you know you're a little too warm there we gotta gotta send you home and and for how long like that yeah i would be curious to know more about that if anyone's workplace has implemented such policies or is even discussing the implementation of such policies uh from that same uh or actually no it's not from that segment just about the body metrics uh the portion uh about the meat packing wow that might be something for policy and procedure. If they are implementing uh, biometrics, that is probably going to necessitate a change to policy and procedure. I couldn't imagine uh, if that's something that has not been done in the history of the company and now they're going to do it. Probably going to have to include that in the manual. So, yeah, I would check to see if there's going to be. a. Re- and in fact, that can be one question you ask when they come to roll out all this. Is this going to impact our policy and procedure in any way? And if so, how? Because I'm sure it will. I mean, that's pretty. I think that's pretty invasive. I've never worked on a job where they, you know, conditions of entry um, or one of the conditions of entry was a temperature check. Like, wow. Uh, So the meat packing, some idiot here does uh, routinely brag about being plant-based cows, counter racist yoga retreat looking for Washington, D.C., August 5th through the 9th. See if we can make up for uh, Toronto having to cancel. Uh, 5th through the 9th of August. That's a Wednesday through Sunday. No meat. No Tyson's chicken. No poultry. No pork from North Carolina. No bacon from Scotty Reed's North Carolina. No way. Plant-based. Do some yoga. Have some fun. Maybe be able to get out safely for the first time uh, in months. Uh, by the time August gets here you can drop an email deadline uh, for signing up will be August or excuse me June 21st that way we'll have enough time to make sure everything is stable uh, or as stable as can be for 2020 deadline will be June 21st anyway Tyson's chicken Uh, the same thing that I said I posted a report about these uh, meat processing plants Tyson closed the plant in Iowa they reported that 555 workers it was well over 500 but I believe they had the the number I believe it was 555 workers minimum tested positive for COVID-19 at this one Iowa meat processing plant Tyson's I said wow I posted it online and I said you know hey 
I'm just I'm trying to follow logic. What does Dr. Welsing encourage us to do? Follow patterns. I have seen countless reports about uh, contagion or meat processing plants being vectors of contagion, this type of thing. Now, I haven't seen a report where it was over 500 people, but I have seen a number uh, of meat processing plants. There was one in California, the one in Iowa. It's been throughout the country. That was why uh, President Trump passed the executive order saying that they had to stay open because they had a number of plants. It wasn't just Iowa where they were having to shut down and saying, you know, hey, uh, we got a lot of folks that look like they're testing positive and, you know, we don't want to have some sort of crisis where some of the meat gets infected and you know that goes out yeah you know scary thoughts uh they were saying i've seen many many reports about that for the past two months at least maybe even before then but at least two solid months of this i have not seen one report apple orchard rice field corn field watermelon patch Nowhere in the world have I seen or read, heard about, oh man, the entire apple orchard is contaminated or, you know, all of our apple pickers, all of the cherry pickers, you know, all of the folks that are going out to get the corn, you know, picking cotton, everybody is, is contaminated. Now I have heard some of those folks who do the working, they are not safe because of white supremacy racism. The same thing you have with the meat packing plants is a whole lot, many, many layers of white supremacy racism. They used the word uh, gender justice in the report on the meat placking. They didn't say anything about white supremacy racism. They said immigration. They'll have lots of different code words that let you know these are probably non-white people that are being niggerized in these chicken plants and such. And that's, again, something I've heard repeatedly. It would be odd if that was not the case. I'm sure there are individuals classified as white who work in these processing plants elbow to elbow, shucking through you know, chicken guts and pig intestines and all the rest of it. But a number of these reports have pointed out, oh yeah, you got a lot of non-white people, so-called immigrants, some of them classified as black, some of them who are not white and non-black, but a lot of non-white people, folks with melanin, uh, in there doing this grubby, nasty work. Again, they are essential workers, not at home. You know, their feet kicked up on the sofa, non-white people, victims of racism on the front line, so to speak. Uh, but having these non-white people in these, you know, nasty jobs and all that, I've not heard any of this with the folks because it's a lot of non-white people that do the picking and such too, produce. Uh, but I've not heard any reports uh, about, oh, we got to shut the whole, you know, apple picking farm down. We got to stop all the watermelon picking. Uh, we got to stop all the peach gathering uh, because the virus, you know, it's going to contaminate and get in all the fruit or produce or whatever. None of that. The only thing I've heard with produce has been they are on buses, their transportation. These are folks, essential workers who are paid poorly, most of them non-white. Uh, they're on public transportation or they're on uh, like buses, right, where they'll bus all of the pickers to wherever the farm is so then they can go out and get the produce uh, where they said that they were on uh, that they would have most likely suspected racists uh, who were in charge, man, supervisors, and they were either saying, oh, this this Rona isn't that serious, sounding like some other white people I've heard before. This Rona thing isn't that serious. And, you know, they're they're recommending that we do uh, social distancing and have you all sit, you know, kind of far apart on the bus or that we get more buses and spend all that money. And I mean, it's not you all don't believe in the Rona, do you? 
Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we'll just do it the way we normally did. Just get on the bus, everybody, and you know, sit tight. That way we can get one. I have heard those reports, and they they don't have sick leave. They don't have you know that, but nothing about. Oh man, this is terrible. They're gonna infect everybody out here. Pick nothing. It's just the meat. I've heard that consists of pork chops, beef, chicken, all of that. So if you needed any other slight nudging to, hmm, maybe I should consider leaving some of this uh, beef and flesh alone eat a few more veggies what Dr. Africa says eat a few more veggies don't be a nutritional Uncle Tom (laughs) then yes pay attention to all those reports about the vectors of contagion that are the meat processing plants Uh, within that report and they talked about the unsafe conditions and they have to work all you know elbow to elbow and all the I didn't hear that they're doing thermal checks and all the rest of it maybe they are maybe they got all the personal protective gear uh, but I highly doubt it uh, if it's all about getting that getting those chicken wings and chicken thighs and all the rest of it out particularly the report that they had earlier this year about the chicken people lost out on a lot. They talked about so many farmers and all these people have had to destroy food because the restaurants have been closed. And that's a big part of the food uh, industry and making all this ridiculous food stuff. Since it's been closed, they've had to throw away a lot of that lost a lot of money. Uh, They said chicken in particular, this, I guess spring with uh, the athletic events and such uh, March madness, the NCAA tournament, they do a lot of chicken wings and all that. Uh, And so they said, yeah, we're washing chicken wings that we can't sell. So I'm sure they lost a lot of money. I cannot see them after losing a whole lot of money, then saying, Oh yes, we're going to invest heavily in the safety of our non-white working force. I highly doubt it. I could be wrong. Uh, Eat more veggies. Uh, Let's see. The last portion of the black businesses in the St. Louis area, not surprised. Again, it's not the Ferguson effect. I wish more accurate uh, language around describing uh, what is happening. But that is economic terrorism right there. I haven't heard any reports about the Ferguson Police Department is about to shut down and they don't know if they're going to survive the Rona. Uh, They're still in charge, probably still strangling black people uh, in Ferguson. But yeah, the black businesses, they are having a tough time. No surprise. Even before Therona, even when Michael Brown Jr. was still with us. Uh, the email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Feel free to drop a line if you have a workplace experience problem. You would like suggestions, uh, counter-racist suggestions, hopefully using some logic to help solve problems without creating new problems. Uh, let's see. Uh, reading one email, I'll sprinkle the rest in as we, you know, boogie along here. So getting one email in now. Okay. Non-white female victim of racism. She writes, hi, Gus. I've been listening to the cows archive of your interview with Dr. Peggy McIntosh, courtesy of Mr. H. Fox, Mr. Fox, UK, much obliged, long time investor, Dr. Peggy McIntosh, suspected racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 2009. Been here 11 years plus 2009. Dr. Uh, Peggy McIntosh was a guest uh, on the program. 
Woo. Anywho, uh, I would recommend this broadcast to those who have some time during this COVID-19 lockdown period. Her slow and condescending way of speaking reminds me of the female race soldier English teachers I used to work with. I had very little interaction with them as I worked in another department. However, when I did, I would often walk away from our conversations feeling very stupid because they would always speak to me very slowly, making direct eye contact. It bothered me for a long time. After a few years, I put it down to the fact that they worked with students whose first language is not English which in hindsight was not the reason English is my first language and there was no confusion about this I was also not one of their students and I did not notice them speaking to any of the white staff that way I suspect they were just being racist ironically none of the male English teachers ever spoke to me in that way that is gender justice Continuing this week, I participated in a virtual seminar at the start of the session. The trainer asked everyone to introduce themselves, describe our work and reason for signing up for the course. At the end of the day, she asks us to sum up what we learned and how we plan to use our new knowledge. When she came around to me, I explained that my work and reason for being on the course was different to everyone else. So I need to think about how I apply what I've learned. A non-white female who was also a participant responded and asked me how I know that my job is so different. She seemed to take offense for some reason. I reminded her that everyone had introduced themselves at the start of the session and explained their reason for being there. I was actually there to assess the quality of the training, which I did not care to explain. It was very interesting. (laughs) That is hilarious. Whoa, sorry, let's see. I'll I'll pick up at the sentence. Uh, It was very interesting to me that the non-white female felt the need to challenge me. To me, this was anti-blackness in action and unnecessary. Wow. That is much obliged for sharing, ma'am. That is very, very common uh, in terms of just getting either curt or rude comments uh, from other victims of racism uh, in a workplace setting. It happens outside of that too, but that happens pretty frequently. We've had a lot of folks who have called in uh, over the years who've talked about, you know, getting condescending remarks and that type of thing uh, from other victims. Oftentimes it can be from other black people. (sighs) Racists have been very effective with their system, with their brain trashing expecting that sort of misconduct unfortunately I think is great uh, trying our best to maintain our patience and poise so that you know we don't respond sounds like you did a great job of not even you know getting un- into all that and just reminding her because it may have been that she forgot you know we're all kind of stressed right now and good trying to get through all this as best we can so maybe she forgot that you all had already kind of explained uh, your occupations and reasons for being there uh, to begin with so yeah that's great just to give a reminder like we all kind of gave our introductions already so yeah we all know why we're here right uh, but yeah that's uh, sadly very common and as I said just I think just keeping in mind when we go into workplace environments uh, just because we see somebody with melanin does not mean they are our brother sister cousin any of that um yeah, that <laughs> does not mean anything. Uh, you are an army of one when you hit that workplace. Uh, if 
you bump into another non-white person and they are friendly, courteous, nice, helpful. That is wow. Outstanding return in kind. Not that I'd be talking about racism or what happened with the protest this week or anything like that, but I would be courteous workplace related. I would speak to them and keep it moving, but I'm not expecting that at all. As I said, racists have been very effective. It's called white supremacy for a reason. Supreme means something. The number again is 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. The email untiljustice at gmail.com. Feel free if you want to be anonymous. Uh, Make sure I remind folks in the middle global health crisis, uh, this broadcast is not for Spectators, if you have figured out anything that is constructive, like in these times, if you figured out how to get your company to make sure they supply everybody with hand sanitizer, or at least you with hand sanitizer, let us know. You figured out how to make sure you don't lose any of your sick days or how to get extra sick days. If you figured out uh, an application for FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act, during the middle of all of this, that's great information to share. If we have other folks who have employed black self-respect to make sure that safety and sanitation was being practiced in the workplace make sure that you're keeping yourself and other employees safe for sure she i said that a few times uh during all this that that might be uh one of the central aspects of black self-respect to just whoa let's make sure that we have a safe healthy work environment we're not going to ignore uh the safety recommendations in the middle of all of this that might be, you know, probably it's going to be primary manifestation of black self-respect in all of this. Just making sure that you get to work in an environment that is safe. But definitely not for spectators. If you have uh, either things that are helpful uh, that, you know, other folks can apply to their code to minimize problems uh, and being mistreated in the workplace. We need to hear that. You should be the first person to dial in star six one. And certainly if we have folks who are having some difficulties, we will try our best solving problems without creating new problems. We'll check, see if folks have uh, thoughts, comments to share. Uh, Folks with a hand up line should be open. Hello. Hello. Yes, ma'am, we can hear you. Yes, ma'am, we can hear you. Hi. Hello, is there an echo? I did hear it, but you're good now. Oh, okay. I um, hope everyone's having the best day they can have. Um, about, um, I heard some of the clips, the thing, I guess, that I heard that I didn't, I did not agree with was, um, that the banks don't know how valuable the black businesses are to the community. I think they do know that. That's why they don't have great relationships, especially business relationships with black people. But maybe that's just me. Um, in terms of the taking the temperature stuff, um, I have, well, I, have, I guess I have two jobs. Um, and the ones out where I have to go out, I just started doing that recently. And 
I was what they were supposed to do because I'm teaching. They're supposed to take the temperature of the student once, and then take every time I go in, they're supposed to take my temperature. They have not done this. They just asked me to fill out some papers to verify that I haven't been around people with the um that might have been exposed to corona, which for me is pretty accurate because I don't really I don't go outside if I have to. I've been to the supermarket recently, but um, I try to, they have to pick up, so I just go to the pickup and go to one person. Um, it's what they've done at that job to the students is, I don't, they just, I don't know, they seem like they've been through a lot. I'm supposed to teach a class that was normally 11 sessions. They cut it to six. I don't know what they're supposed to learn in six sessions. So I try to give them information that I just try to give, like, resources and not go into too much detail, which they seem to appreciate on um, this particular class. The only five students and all of them are melanated. Um, so I try to share things with them that I know, and they seem to be appreciative. So they're doing okay, and... They had classes online, and they talked about how traumatizing it was for them. And they were like, well, they don't know. I go, well, I knew because they talked about it on the news, how students, all students from every age, race, whatever, were having trouble if they had, did not have classes online transitioning. But if they call in, because I did, because, again, they're all melanated, they did see that I listened to this program and, they may be listening. I don't know if they can tell their own stories, their own experience. Experience. Um, and the other jobs I had that work from home, I'm kind of taking a break because I can, and I had to go back in a couple of weeks to do that. But I check every day because I have a computer. I check every day because they still send out surveys and things. And so one day they sent out an email with a racist, I guess now with the racist symbol, and I was like, oh, what is this? And I almost I almost sent an email saying, are y'all really sending out emails like this? And I said, nope. Let me calm down. This company is super big, blah, blah, blah. There is a policy on how to do this. So I went there. I found a policy on how to report it. So I reported it um, through the proper channel. They put, they sent a, they put out a reply saying, they need more information, you can call this number. I actually called the number, a regular person answered their phone, um, the employee. I told them the issue. They went, yes, I did see that. Yes, I Googled it, and yes, you are correct. Um, I said, I don't know who did it because the email was sent out, like, under a group, not from an individual person. I was like, um, this is, you know, <laughs> I don't think this is a good idea. And I don't know what steps they're going to take to handle that, but that's up to them. I just reported it, and there I don't think there's going to be any repercussions because there's a proper way in channels, and I didn't call for anyone to get fired or anything because I, well, I don't know who did it, and I just reported it through the proper channels. Um, and that seems to be all I needed to do, so I did that. Um, but 
my main issue right now kind of is still the students because they are they're the nice people and they're doing really well for six classes. I don't know how you can mess up with six classes, but they're still kind of traumatized about their online experiences. And thank you. That's all I have for that. Much obliged for sharing. That is so important. Like, wow. Um, uh, or I guess real quick before you uh, mute, what was the symbol that they that they sent in the email? I, maybe I didn't hear. What was the symbol? It was that um, white, the, the okay, you know, okay, the okay has been weaponized for white power or something. Got yeah. it. Got it. Okay. That is phenomenal, uh, in my opinion, uh, illustration of, you know, how you operate your counter racist code uh, in the workplace. Like and what I say all the time, maintaining our composure, that is most important, like none of the uh, nothing else matters with regards to uh, your counter racist code for the workplace. If you cannot maintain your composure. Like so everybody, we all get emotional, like racism, white supremacy is something we should uh, get upset about. But just take having that, you know, restraint to just think a little bit like I could send this email. You know, are you all really sending this? Blah, blah, blah. I could do that. But wait a minute. What is it? Let me see the manual because they got to have. Pol- yep. Policy and percent. Bravo. That is knockout because they should. By this point, it's 2020. They should uh, have policy on procedure on what to do harassment bullying they'll have all kinds of you know different words for it inappropriate office conduct at minimum they should so bam you can go right in page number this is the email date and time making a report incorrect unsafe workplace conduct spectacular um and they do it anonymous she said they send it from some group thread or what have you be even with all that it's been my experience a lot of times the IT departments these white people uh, can be very creative at finding out you know information if they really want it uh, if people are doing this type of thing they can invest a lot of time and energy if they really want to find out you know who's engaging in this conduct uh, but with the students oh, no, they don't, uh, I'm sorry they know who did it because when I said because they know where the email comes from and those people in charge of that email so it wasn't like a mystery to them the group of people that were in charge of that email, I just didn't know. And, and look, I'm just trying to do my job, and this is the problem. Fix it. <laughs> That's all. Mm. It's not a mystery. You can repeat that and place that in a whole lot of different situations with white supremacists. Uh, It's not a mystery. They're not confused. They're not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. They're not ignorant about the value of black banks. They don't care. Like uh, It's not that they're confused about that either. Uh, So, yeah, I'm sure they could have identified these folks and, you know, got right punitive, got them their little cardboard box so they can clean out their desk and do the walk of shame. They didn't want to do that. Uh, incidentally before we get to the children that's the type of thing to keep in mind in this environment that's why I said about all the protests like you know you have newly armed white people like this swapping these type of emails on the, that was the same thing at Ferguson remember that Mary Ann Twitty the white woman she was swapping racist emails about Michelle Obama and President Obama calling them apes and monkeys and niggers and all the rest of it and then Michael Brown oh yes yes mm. Anyway, they got got anyway. 
racist jokes by white people in their emails and what have you is all day everyday activity even at the courthouse <laughs> it was telling us about that down in Florida like yeah social media and emails that's all day everyday activity triple T uh, with the children man I'm so glad we have a lot of black educators so maybe they'll Hold be on. A- excuse me these aren't children these are grown people oh okay these, oh god no <laughs> these are grown people Thank you. oh god no <laughs> Thank you for the clarification there. Okay, so these are older people. Students, we'll say. Students. Yes, uh, The students who are learning, I'm not surprised. I know we do have folks who, are, who work in uh, prof- and academic educators. Uh, and, man, students of all ages uh, have been super impacted by this. Like, man, uh, we've talked about that from, like, the parent perspective and other folks. But, man. Uh, there are other black educators and folks who are teaching. Uh, if you want to share your thoughts, feel free. I'm so not surprised. Uh, something that's supposed to be like 11 or a dozen sessions, whatever it is. And then it gets like half, you get six of that. And we're supposed to try and cram all that in as best we can. Like, wow. Uh, and they said they've had a number of uh, reports that have said that just about students uh, and folks, whether they're college students, whatever level, like, wow, the impact that it's having, and especially on non-white students uh, struggling and already uh, you go to school and get the, what do they call it, school to prison pipeline and special education and all that. They've had tons of reports about special education children and how they've been impacted. So I am not surprised. Uh, kudos to you for just trying to do the best that you can with your, you said, highly melanated group of students, uh, just trying to do the best that you can to not go into too much detail, try to make sure they get as much information as you can. Just Man, I mean, talk about compensatory. This was supposed to be 11. Now you got six sessions. Hmm. System of white supremacy and resources. That's always good. If you work, if you're in a capacity where you're, if you're training or if you're teaching where you can give resources uh, with that person, if they have questions, if you're not there, what have you, they can use this in perpetuity where they can look or if it's a book or resources online where they can go and find information to help them solve their problems awesome but that's going to be especially important for these folks because man they're gonna have to do a whole lot of compensating on their own probably uh let's see much obliged ma'am uh great job working doing the teaching keep that up uh let's see other folks who dialed in with a hand up if you have commentary to share line should be open proceed can i be heard uh black talk radio network founder mr scotty reed uh, greetings to you, Gus, and rest of the listeners. Uh, I just wanted to talk about the meat uh, packing. North Carolina was mentioned. North Carolina has a history of, you know, um, these horrendous uh, conditions in these meat packing plants. Uh, famously in, or infamously in 1991, in the little town of Hamlet, they got had a chicken process and plant fire where the owner had put chains on the fire doors, you know, the escapes and and what have you to get out. And 55 people, no, 25 people were killed and 55 were injured in the fire. Now, this plant had been in operation for 11 years and had never received not one safety inspection. Um, And and so um, when they came in to investigate, they said that they believe a safety inspection might have prevented the disaster. Um, I don't understand. No, I shouldn't say I don't understand. Let me just state the facts. The fact is the owner, a white male, was the only one charged. 
um, no city officials or county officials that were supposed to be uh, conducting these inspections. Again, they never received an inspection in 11 years. Uh, none of them were charged with dereliction of duty or, or anything of the sort. And then this guy, um, his name was Emmett J. Rowe, who owned the plant, um, only served four years of a 19-year sentence, basically a 20-year sentence. And he was charged with non-negligent manslaughter. Now, I don't know if they meant involuntary manslaughter, uh, but to me, if you put chains on the door, and the reason I say I don't know if, they, if my source meant involuntary manslaughter, because when I look up the laws of North Carolina concerning manslaughter, I don't see no non-negligent manslaughter. So I'm assuming that they um, might mean involuntary manslaughter. But in either case, you voluntarily put them chains on them fire doors to keep them people locked in. And it certainly was negligent um, to do so. So this person, he pleaded guilty. I guess he, you know, got into a plea bargain deal and agreed to plead guilty and um, pled guilty to that charge and only served four years. He was paroled after four years. Uh, yes, a lot of non-white um, so-called undocumented uh, immigrants, workers working these plants here in North Carolina. But what I did not, what I don't hear them also mention is that prison slaves also work in these uh, places. When my youngest brother was uh, wrongfully convicted and sentenced to prison slavery, they had him working in one of these processing plants. Um, during the course of, of reporting and, and, you know, just sharing stories on New Abolitionist Radio, which focuses on 21st century slavery here in the United States by way of the 13th Amendment, a number of stories that we came across in other, other states, prison slaves are used as prison slave labor in these chicken plants. And this one guy um, um, that was talking about it, one of the victims that was talking about it, was talking about how they not even allowed to take bathroom breaks and how people would have bottles to urinate in. I don't know what the females did or used, um, you know, being that they couldn't get bathroom breaks, but the males were urinating into bottles on the processing land, um, line. And so, you know, um, these processing plants are very, very dangerous places to work now. In terms of the, of the clip where I heard the person say meatpacking facilities are not able to test, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Now, these are quote-unquote essential, uh, essential workers. You would think that the owners of the plant, the shareholders, the people who make the most profit from it, um, and as well as the U.S. government, uh, considering, you know, we are in a COVID-19 pandemic, that they will make sure that these essential, quote-unquote, essential workers get tested. So I, I don't know, you know, I'm not doubting that enough of them are not being tested. Um, what I'm doubting is their ability to attest them, to test them. They do anything they put their mind to. So I ain't buying that. Okay, I, I'm just not ac uh, accepting that they're not able to test these people. Um, I see these workers as not being essential, but disposable.
Okay, um, they're they're essential to people continuing to make outrageous uh, profits, but they're not paid as if they're essential, and they're not treated as if they are essential, but they're treated as replaceable. That's all I have to share. Thanks. Disposable employees. Facts. Scotty Reed. I was going to ask. I was like, do you know the plan in North Carolina? Do you know if the uh, people that are working there, the employees, if they're a considerable number of non-white employees? And then you feel that? Yep. Got a lot of non-white people working there, too. And slave labor from the prisons, which I am sure is going to be a whole lot of dark people like black people, individuals classified as black. So, yeah, that. Yeah. Much obliged, uh, Yeoman's Work, Black Talk Radio Network founder, uh, Mr. Scotty Reed, disposable employees. And that's so important because President Trump came out and said that we got disposable. He didn't say it's disposable. We got it. Essential workers. Essential workers. We got to have our meat processing. Everybody needs KFC and a Big Mac and all that. We got to have our meat processing. Well, then you would get them all the protective gear and take all the steps to make sure that our workers are safe. They're going to be held. They're not contaminating taking you know all these germs home to their family and they're not contaminating all of us making our meat contaminated when we get it that's not even happening excellent point the shareholders and the federal government would have an equal stake in making sure that that is happening and happening like at a high level not you know kind of being kind of half but about it and uh, yeah allowing people to just kind of use discretion which I was kind of talking about before uh, and the non-negligent manslaughter or, you know, however it's framed, uh, I cannot imagine Mr. Reed and I, other listeners in the North Carolina area, I cannot imagine if we had any type of business, if we were making ping pong balls, toothpicks, anything, I cannot imagine. And we had, you know, fire code violations. And we don't get, you know, the inspection and we don't get a big heft. I mean, they can shut your business down for that type of nonsense like having but retired firefighters here. We don't have to listen to me talk crazy. You can be shut down for that. Make sure you uh, set Gus T straight. If I am talking nonsense that you can go in and you don't have to have fire extinguishers, you can lock the doors. You don't have to have emergency exits and that type of thing. We don't do it. You don't have to have a fire. We don't do that. We just we are about working here. We don't do any of the rest of that stuff. I guarantee if Mr. Reed, myself, some black people were doing that, it would have been way different. Chicken plant might have been shut down. There would have been some super fines like fines. You will make sure you remember not to have a chain on this door next time. All of that. And then certainly non-negligent manslaughter. Like what? You can think about that one for yourself with everything that's happened this week. If Mr. Reed owned the plant, what he would have been charged with if, you know, he had done that type of thing. Another great reminder. Eat more vegetables. Maybe try plant. Think about that next time you go to get that chicken leg. Now, wow, was this made by some black convicts who don't even get a bathroom break? Is this how I'm getting my bacon? Is this how I'm getting my chicken wing? Eat more veggies. Eat more veggies. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in, hand up. Uh, I'll get to 
the emails as we roll as well. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if you have a uh, commentary to share, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Uh, greetings, Bay Area Mom. Greetings. Thanks for taking my call. Greetings to the guests, uh, the people on the show, too. Sorry. Um, her. I, I felt some kind of way when I was listening to the... Um, the, re- the report in Missouri about the black um, businesses suffering. Um, I'm sure they do suffer, especially in Missouri. Well, not especially. I'm sure it's everywhere in the States. But in Missouri, they're really particular about how they deal with their Negroes. And I even um, remember how they, well, I'm sure they may still do it now, but the way they do the plate in Missouri, it, it shows where you your jurisdiction where you're supposed to be. So if you're in other parts of Missouri and your place state that you need to be on this, maybe Ferguson, uh, they'll, they'll pull you over and ask why you're over here. Kind of like what they can do right now with the, uh, the way things are going from the pandemic. It's, it's very interesting. And I took, uh, I, I was a little, I guess with the wording, how we have to word things when we're speaking live, that we have to make it seem as if it's no harm to white people. Everything is all innocent. But I know they know how we're affected by not aiding us in loans and uh, grants and assistance. I know they know. They're not naive to that. They know what they're doing. This is... Anyway... So, uh, and the meat packing. Oh, gosh. So, the warehouses. Um, I never thought about that and how sick they are. I don't, uh, that's, that's too bad. I'll have to ponder on that a little more with the warehouses and the people getting sick. And then, well, I don't know if they're all Spanish people working in the warehouses, but if you can underpay them or pay them the least and then they're not documented. But then I still don't understand how they would be more sick if they're not documented. I, I don't get it. It's confusing. But um, for me, uh, workplace racism, I turned, uh, I talked to uh, the supervisor over the case that I, I'm working on um, with the child and the brother. Um, I just let her know that I wasn't going to be able to... Uh, continue the sessions and find someone else to do the work. Um, uh, I only did two days this week. Um, so when I went yesterday, they're, they're real aggressive, the children, both of them. And um, you can tell with the little girl being um, on the spectrum, she's treated as if she's uh, slow. And so it looks like the brother comes in, even though he's two years under her, he's literally the, the dominator, the controller. He's, it's as if he was told to, you just make sure you look after your sister and don't let it, that, but he's the dominant force. So um, he's uh, asking, why is your hair always wet? Because sometimes I'll, I'll wash my hair and mold it down and come in with a... Uh, 
something covering my head because I don't want anything in my hair with whatever's in the whatever is in the air. So I was like, well, well, my hair's not wet today. I just didn't feel like uh, dealing with it, so I just wore it as if it was wet. So then uh, he just asked a lot of questions, and he's very aggressive. They're both very aggressive, and they just start grabbing at me and pulling at me. Got you. I got you. I'm going to eat you. And So um, the, the little girl also, she's real, oh, no, I want my mommy to do it. I want my mommy to do it. No, my mom, not you. So I end up with, I neither here nor there with me. But in actuality, I'm supposed to do the most, the majority of the time, I'm with the client, not the brother. So, supervisor uh, did a video um, chat thing. The video, uh, what is that? The Zoom. So I split my screen, Zoom, so she can watch me in the house and my board to where I can uh, do the goals that are in there that I'm not doing because I'm uh, not on that stage yet with this client. So uh, he's all aggressive, the little boy doing his aggressive stuff. And no, this and that. So he, he does something to where he wants to take my tablet because the lady's on the screen. So it's like, no, I got it. No, I need it. I got it. No, I don't want it. I, like, well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll hold it. No, me. And he just, no, I got it. No, right. So she's like, well, she said she wants to have it. Let her have it. And he's not listening to her. So I kind of get it. And. He's jumping all over the place, so then he gets the somersaulting over by me and kicking at me, so then he does it again, and then it's like, oh, well, let me go over here. So then he's doing his theatrics, so I set the tablet down so she can watch us play, and the mom had to literally remove him because he's so aggressive. He's, I'll hit you, and he told his mom, and I'll, hit, I'll do this, I'll kick you off. So <laughs> the lady's watching, because you can tell she's looking like, oh, my God. So, uh, uh... This is the email that I got from the lady watching. I appreciate you reaching out to us. Brother is a large part of our session, so I completely understand your concerns. Working on social interaction with brother is important during our session, so we don't want mom to completely remove him either. Unfortunately, brother is still present at school sessions when school starts, so if brother is your concern, you will not, we will not be putting you back on the case when school starts. All we ask is if you give us two weeks to try and find a replacement staff for the case. We also cannot guarantee replacement hours for you at this time. However, if a client is available, so-and-so will reach out to you. Let me know if you have any um, other questions or concerns. So I didn't. I just said, no worries. You're welcome. Because the whole gist of the email was just to let her know that I don't want to remain on the case and just looking at my calendar, this person was on my schedule for the remaining of the year. And um, I noticed the mother had stated yesterday that he's not, he's never been this like this within the past couple of weeks since I've been there, basically. He's been much more aggressive without using harsh words because when you're speaking of um, non-black children, you don't use harsh words. You use soft words. So I noticed that he's not bad. He's just got energy. I noticed that kind of thing. And um, it, 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 it's interesting how they, they cover for themselves because 
the brother shouldn't be a part of the session all the way to school. I just don't understand how it's a two for one, but I you only get paid for one and you're only billing for one. So um, it's just it's it's just interesting how it's going, but. For me, I'm not interested in resolving any of the issues that they have. Um, you can tell, um, you can just tell that there's, they know I'm black and they know that you treat black a particular way and you don't have to be as friendly. You, I can tell. I'm not saying that's what they learn with their parents, but I know, I don't know what the mom does or doesn't do, but when the father was in the home, you can tell he practices uh, maintaining the system. So we were doing something, playing tag, and uh, the little boy runs in the room, and he's like, close the door. So, of course, I can't just leave them, so I have to go where the client is and friends. So I knock on the door. It takes a bit to answer because I don't just walk in. So I knock on the door. Who is it? And it's the wolf. Open the door. So... They open the door, so he's like, I got my police uniform. So I said, what? He's like, yeah, I got my uniform. I said, oh, how interesting. So his mother spies in there. <laughs> so he got the cuffs on his thing, and he has the, it says police right in the back, right? So it's, it's, it's an outfit with the cuffs, and so now he's looking for the whistle. I said, mom, where's my whistle? I don't know if he was going to arrest me. <laughs> what are you going to do? Maybe you put me in handcuffs and that'll justify how he dog walks me um, in the house. But uh, I thought that was interesting. And um, that's all. And uh, I'll mute my line. And thanks for taking my call. Little race soldier in training. See there? He was going to see. I've been watching gonna get my knee and get her down on the ground i got it i got it let me show you what is it's racist man racist woman racist child she just said being around them she said i can sense that that's uh gavin de becker too when you're around people and you get that sense you get that instinct she's work. she's been telling us about working with these white urchins for hmm, a couple weeks now um you get that sense like wow it seems like they know like this is a nigra not nice to her she's a criminal I'm gonna, matter of fact I'm gonna wrestle let me get my handcuffs out get this nigra cuffed here <laughs> again same thing not being billed for two unruly children one this is a twofer and then they give you some nonsense justification as to why this uh, other abusive child has to be included in the session even though they're not billing for the other child it's nonsense all the way and then the mom with the soft wording now this uh, white boy has been abusive and violent uh, the whole time it's he has wow little Billy he has so much more energy now that you've been around it's not he's been violent assaultive he's been a little barbarian accurate 
wording around that's what they do with us right that's how you end up with school to prison pipeline that's the way they talk about if it's jamal like oh man that gus he's a savage (laughs) that's the way they talk about they change the laws even like we got to prosecute him as adults well he's just been so excited he's got so much more enthusiasm and then with the rona and everything it's just it's been a tough spring for little billy we're gonna hang in there with him yes Incidentally, I would I would feel some type of way like majorly about having uh, really any children that are not mine, but particularly white children like clawing all over me and talking about they're going to eat me. That was a delectable Negro moment too, having uh, particularly this white child that I'm going to eat you. Wow. Delectable Negro. Uh, yeah, the those type of jobs where. You can't even establish a boundary in terms of, you know, this is the client I'm supposed to be working with. You're not even supposed to be who I'm working with. And you're punching and clawing. And my employer seems unconcerned about this pandemic or no, they seem unconcerned about this. And, oh, you know, he can't be excluded. And he's part of it when they go back to school. So we got to have him be there. And the mom is just, you know, off doing yoga or whatever she's doing while, you know, Billy is terrorizing the whole household. Like, wow. Like those are the type, that's black self-respect recognizing, you know what? This environment is not for me. And that's exactly what they will do. They will end up just slowly giving you more work. They give us more work and more work and more work. No increase in pay, just more work and more work and more work. And then you end up getting stuck in this situation where it's like, wow, I'm really going to be working with these children for the rest of 2020. Like, whoa, whoa, this isn't even a temper. Like the rest of the year, I'm supposed to be working with these savages. That's how a lot of times we end up in situations that are supposed to be temporary and we end up being there for like five years. Try as best you can recognize that when this is, oh yeah, this is not a situation for me at all. Let me get my plan to extricate myself immediately as soon as possible. If it takes you a month to get your plan together, do so. But I mean, recognize and be honest about that. Like, oh this is not the spot for me let me get my stuff together so I don't get stuck here I don't want to be here and make sure I'm not here a year from now make sure I'm not here six months from now like if I can really be about my business two months from now a month from now a week from now if I can you know solve problems and make a nice transition get up out of here leave little Billy and his you know abusive sister to themselves um, let's see much obliged Bay Area mom. Number again, 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, the first, uh, well, not first thing, but again, uh, just, you know, if, if there are folks, if they have implemented, like I said, if they're checking temperatures and such in the workplace, let us know. I forgot we had uh, our female caller when she was saying that they I guess they have that as a policy, but they're not implementing it like, huh? I don't know. I guess folks could let us know how you would feel about that. Like, that's what I said. Like, I, I would I suspect that that is common, that sort of uh, having discretion we're pretending like we're taking this serious, but we're really not. 
the protective equipment is not provided. We're supposed to be doing thermometer checks, but we're not. We just got see. They might even just be doing signatures like, oh, yeah, we got initials there. We checked everybody's temperature. They were good. They haven't pulled out the first thermometer. Like, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, yeah, for other folks, the, the temperature, I do think that's important. If that's happening on people's jobs, you can let us know or not happening. Uh, other folks who wrote in via email. Let's see. All right. Blackmail victim of racism updates and observations from the education plantation during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, since my last report, school has been closed for the rest of the year in my state. For the, wow. For the rest of the year. Wow. <laughs> he said for the, whoa, whoa. Has school been closed for the rest of the year? And, and he, like he didn't say that maybe he meant the rest of the calendar year. Maybe I'll email and see if I can get clarification on that. I hope you didn't mean like the rest of like school is not opening until 2021. Hopefully you meant the calendar year. Like, wow. Cause I know there have been schools that have been talking about that, like scratching, you know, all of 2020. Uh, let's see. I also had to make two trips to the school since then. The first visit on my first visit back to the school since the COVID-19 closure, I immediately noticed a sign upon entering the school, which had all the coronavirus symptoms listed. I sanitized my hands and the black female secretary wearing a mask buzzed me in. The reason for my visit was to return my office key, which is standard operating procedure for the end of the year. I also noted the racist suspect principal and a racist suspect teacher talking in the front office without masks. I returned my key to the other racist suspect secretary and she didn't have a mask on either. I then knocked on the door of the office I work in where my two black male co-workers were inside with masks on. I spoke with them briefly before leaving. During this visit, the only people wearing a mask included myself, my two black co-workers, the black female secretary, and another black female teacher I saw. All the white people I saw from the racist suspect principal to the racist suspect secretary didn't have on a mask. Very interesting observation. I would still take it seriously and keep on my mask. Second visit, they might be in the group of the the white protesters. I don't know which uh, location this is, but they might be with the white protesters. Have their signs in the car. COVID-19 is a lie. Reopen our state. Don't tread on me. Four more years. Uh, The second visit. My second visit to the school was for turning in a piece of paper that was required for my position. Upon entering the school this time, I was greeted by an old racist suspect secretary. This elderly white woman had no mask. I turned the paper into the racist suspect secretary from the previous visit and she had no mask again. Same for the racist suspect principal. No mask. Racist suspect custodian. No mask. I then went to the office where my coworkers were. I logged onto my computer and I attended a Zoom call for the whole campus during my visit so I wouldn't have to do it from home. Bravo. I'm just bravo if you have the opportunity uh where you don't have to give them you know a glimpse we already talked about people had gave out great suggestions about having a background or uh use a location in your residence where there's nothing on the wall no family uh photos artwork books nothing <laughs> just a blank wall sit do your conference call and get it over. I was even thinking as the weather warms, you could probably sit outside. Like if you have, if it's nondescript, if it's quiet, 
you could probably sit outside that way they don't get to see your house at all and they just have like trees in the background or you know whatever uh but bravo do the zoom call uh while you have the opportunity to do it at work and then you can go back home i think we had some other listeners where they were talking about putting some software on the home computer and folks that just said, forget that i'm gonna go into work and work on the work computer so anyway uh zoom call do 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 wouldn't have to do it, huh? At the end of the call, there was a tacky video of we're all in this together. I hate that cliche. After the meeting ended, I left and told my coworkers I would see them next school year. Oh, okay, there it is. So they ended for the school year, not the whole calendar year. During this visit, the only people wearing masks were me and my two black male coworkers. Again, white people at school work didn't have a mask on. I am now on summer vacation until August but that could easily change and still getting paid. Bravo. Uh, I am currently debating on whether or not I should leave the safety of my residence and pick up a second job during the summer in the middle of the pandemic to make extra income. One thing I noted looking at job listings is that some require a face mask and temperature check for an interview. Now, isn't that interesting? That's just to get an interview. You got to have a temperature check. I know they were doing a lot of interviews uh, with, you know, the Zoom and video conferencing before. I would think you could just switch and, you know, why not just switch and do that? That way we don't have to go through all that with the mask. And Anyway, fascinating. Continuing one thing. Uh, da, 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 da. I am also using this free time to work toward another computer certification, which now allows remote testing as their coronavirus response since proctor centers are closed and catching up on archives from the cows. Thank you for the program. Codified tech assistant. Bravo. Bravo. That is excellent. We've had a number of cows listeners who said that they've used this. uh, They have extra time because, you know, school is shut down or they're working from home or whatever it is. Uh, And so they've used it to study. Uh, our black male listener in China, uh, he said he got an additional certification that he actually is using on his job. And he got a dramatic increase in compensation because he got this extra certification during his Rona down time. So, man, time and energy uh, have gargantuan respect for your time and energy do not let people waste your time and energy try to invest it as best you can in learning things that will be of some value to you help advance your career help you solve problems help replace white supremacy with justice but bravo and again that's a temperature like wow wow those type of biometrics just to get an interview and then if you get the job, you might, I mean, that might be standard operating procedure every day. Once you get the job, you might have to get, you know, thermometer every day, mask every day, all that, you know, that's whatever. But wow. Uh, other folks, if uh, that is your work situation, if they're, you know, mandating temperature checks or any other biometrics, please share. That would be important to know. Uh, number again is 605-313-5164. The code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate other folks who dialed in if we missed you totally you have uh, commentary to share line should be open proceed
Hi, man. Greetings, Gus. Go ahead, go ahead, man. Oh, thank you so much. Hi, B from Toronto. Greetings, Gus, callers and listeners. Greetings, B in Toronto. I was still sulking about the uh, canceled trip. And then I looked at the news from Toronto and they said that there was a spike in COVID-19 cases in Ontario. And I said, oh, glad we didn't go. Good to hear from you. Yeah. It's great to hear from you, too. Um, yeah. In fact, there was um, a report on AM680 News. Um uh, one of the news stations, radio news stations here, where they're saying that there's a COVID case in every every area of Toronto. Um, the areas most hardest, hardest hit were North Scarborough and in North York, which is on the, the west end of North York. Um, uh, so it's, uh, they're also saying that uh, just because there are lower statistics in some areas in Toronto, does not mean that anybody is safe from it. Um, so yes, uh, that's what's happening. Um, there was also another story uh, that came out on the media re- recently regarding um, uh, Trinity Bellwood, which is one of the parks that's um, uh, more on the uh, the west end from me, um, uh, by Dundas and Austin area. At least that's the northern part, and then Queen and Ossington is the southern part of the park. And um, the way that they have it is uh, initially, under the emergency measures, they said that if people were not um, doing social distancing, doing at least um, two meters or, or six feet apart from each other, that people can get fined. Well, at the Trinity Bellwoods Park, they had a whole group of people um, in the pictures, there were a lot of white people, and uh, there was no information on any of them being fined for um, assembling in the park. No one was practicing social distancing. So rather than fine them, which would have been great revenue for the, for the city, they decided to put um, circles in the park so that... Um, white people who go to the park will then know their distance for social distancing. I'm sure that if it was a group of non-white people, they would have been fined as well as um, a lot more would have been done. So I found that interesting, but I digress. Um, Yes, I had sent an email a little earlier, um, and the thing that's been really troubling is uh, it's around mental health. Um, with the series of, of deaths um, that have been sensationalized in the state, and in addition to the young woman, uh, her name is Regis, who somehow um, was, uh, has fallen off of a 24-story apartment building uh, once police was called in Toronto, uh, I found it very, very hard to go into work. Um, so I, I, I took a self-care day yesterday. I continue taking a day off today uh, because these things are traumatizing. Um, 
I mean, uh, it's it's but a small measure as to what the victims have actually gone through, which has lost their lives. So hearing about Ahmed Aubrey, hearing about George Floyd, hearing about Breonna Taylor, hearing about now um, the 29-year-old Regis, who uh, was going through a series of epilepsy episodes, and um, as a result, um, her mental health was severely deteriorated because epilepsy is a neurological disorder. Um, her mom wanted the police to bring her to CAMH, but uh, somehow she was off the balcony, and it's alleged that the police may have pushed her off the balcony and didn't want the media to report it, um, stating that it was a suicide, although it's highly suspicious as to how she actually had fallen off of the balcony. And um, this, in conjunction with the mistreatment and abuse that is constantly going on at the workplace, I just found it very difficult to work among these vultures. And um, and that's why I took the self-care off. I've been working on my exit plan feverishly. And um, unfortunately, with the COVID measures, things have slowed down great, um, greatly, unfortunately. Um, I'm still getting interviews. I'm still trying to exit out of that for lack of a better term, hellhole of a plantation. So still planning that escape, uh, but it's been very difficult. And I'm I'm trying to keep my spirits up. Um, I'm trying to determine as to whether or not I will be going to the protest tomorrow. That's going to be at 2 p.m. Uh, for the young woman... Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's just, it's very difficult right now. Um, on the actual plantation, what had occurred is there's one of the residents who's been known to be very racist. And, um, the other day I had seen him watching Mad TV and there is a character of Miss Swan. And Miss Swan is um, is pretty much a character that is based on uh, Asian female stereotypes, and found it very derogatory. Uh, so I had suggested the first time around that this resident change the channel as it's inappropriate. He's under eighteen; shouldn't be watching it. There's another staff, a white woman, mind you who's been known to date black men and paraded around that she dates black men. She also talks to the residents about her, her love life of dating black men and showed them pictures, which is also inappropriate. Um, and she's been spoken to about this and she continues to do it with, um, with no regard. And uh, so the second time I went to go and tell this resident, because I saw the resident seeing another scene of this Miss Swan character, and I said, you know what, um, again, you need to change this channel. Uh, you need to put it onto something else because this is 
the stereotypes, the racial stereotypes are inappropriate and ensure that there's many other things on the television that you can select from. Uh, so I told her, I said, wouldn't you agree that this is inappropriate? And she told me, oh, well, comedy is just comedy. And I'm like, uh-huh, interesting. Hmm. So I collected that as evidence, and I notified the program director about this. And uh, the program director asked me, oh, does she need to write down what I'm about to say? And I said, yes, please do. Um, and I told her exactly what occurred. And the most that came out of it was that um, the staff needs to be mindful, more mindful of what the, of the residents watch. And I was like, this is quite interesting because we do have a racial harassment policy um, upon intake clients read it, they say that they understand it, and they sign to it. And there's also a racial harassment policy for um, the company. So they know that they're not to have this type of inappropriate material, and I cited those policies. And I just find it quite interesting that the most that came out of it is the fact that, um, you know, staff needs to be more mindful of monitoring what residents watch. And what I see consistently happening is that the program director is is definitely protecting the white co-workers. Um, I, I see it. She will say things to appease, try to appease me, um, but I, I notice that she is saying um, she's saying and doing her action to protect them rather than reprimand them and implement the policies as that what's in the company. So I'm, I'm paying very close attention to that and I continue to collect evidence on that. Uh, but in right now, I'm, I'm just really trying to keep spirits up. I know that, um, I know that my mental health has been severely harmed. Um, you know, not knowing if you walk out the door, regardless of globally where the white supremacist society is located. You don't know if you'll return home. You don't know if your offspring will return home. You don't know if your family member will return home. And um, it's uh, it's it's hard. It's very hard. I'm trying to find a constructive resolution to this, um, but I just feel that just getting backed into the corners so much so I'm I'm just trying to keep it together. Thank you for listening and I lose the line. Much obliged, uh, be in Toronto. I think it's been extraordinarily traumatizing uh for black people around the world. Um particularly this month, I'd say especially this week, uh, that was my sense. It it reminded me so much of 2014, but worse because there was already so much anxiety with uh, the COVID-19 situation. As you said, like, you know, everything is shut down. Like, how are we doing interviews and such? I just read the report. Uh, they're, they're doing interviews via video uh, and or it's required that you have a mask and a temperature check. So there was already so much chaos and stress and confusion. And then the return of being daily bombarded with fresh images of black people being killed and strangled and 
all of that. And then this incident in Canada uh, that I didn't even know about in Toronto uh, questions swirl about how Toronto woman fell, put that in quotes from balcony as family points fingers at police. Now, even this uh, in the victim's name, Regis hmm, Korchinski Paquette, I think is it Korchinski Paquette, P-A-Q-U-E, P-A-Q-U-E-T. I think that's it. Regis Korchinski Paquette. If I made an error, my apologies. I'm a victim of racism. She's 29. That's 29. Um, But yeah, I didn't even know about this uh, incident. Uh, And so to just be bombarded with these images, which was already happening with COVID-19 and saying, you know, black people are dying more and all of that. And then all of this and the protests as well. Like it's just been really, really traumatizing for, I think tons of uh, black people, black people that I've talked to and that I've seen uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, It would really be about maximum mental health. Uh, That means if there are people, anybody, if they're so-called attempted family members, so-called friends, anybody, uh, if that person is stressful, someone that you tend to be in conflict with, we would minimize contact like it would be big time uh, right now. It would, re- I mean, I guess a lot of folks are still under quarantine anyway, so that's great, but it would really uh, be about only being in contact folks with folks uh, who are going to be nurturing, patient, caring people that I know are going to be empathetic uh, and then looking for activities uh, from the kind of limited capacity that we're in uh, that will encourage and provide some vitality and replenishing Uh, I'm all about making healthy foods that you enjoy, eat things good that build your body up. I had a great smoothie uh, today. It's getting warmer. So if you can get outside, uh, just do things that you can enjoy uh, safely uh, in the midst of all this. But it has taken an extraordinary toll uh, on all of our mental health and well-being. Just worrying, as you said, being a parent. I'm not a parent, but being a parent, worrying about offspring, if they're going to be safe uh, from everything racism white supremacy and everything that's health everything else that's happening so uh, i applaud you for taking a day off i think that's hugely important i recommend that frequently if you get a sense uh, i am feeling it right now take a mental health i didn't even know about that i hadn't even heard that concept until way late in life (laughs) like uh take a mental health day uh if you need it because sometimes you can feel it that you are you're just not there. You're, I mean, none of us qualifies for mental, physical health under the system of white supremacy, racism, but some days are worse than others. Recognize, be honest about that. And if you can get a mental health day and make it filled with lots of constructive things where you can rest, you can enjoy if it's quality time with other people that are constructive and doing, you know, cool things around the house and what have you. If you can get some time in the sun, that's always great. But mental health grades are great. If it's going to uh, improve and be good for your spirit and well-being to participate in the protest uh, that's happening this weekend, uh, I'd say do it. My suggestion has been for years that black people not participate in these type of events because Uh, I've just seen too many times that they don't solve any problems uh, and frequently sometimes they create more problems Uh, like just this week uh, in make sure I don't confuse the protests. So in Kentucky, they had a shooting. They were protesting 
the death of Brianna Taylor, EMT, black female, they broke into her residence and killed her. No sanctuary. So they were protesting Brianna Taylor and uh, George Floyd in Minnesota. I had to look at the article twice. It said there were seven people shot at the protest in Kentucky. I thought it said seven shots fired. It was seven people shot at the Kentucky protest. One person apparently was shot and killed at the Minnesota protest over the past week. That is not a surprise when I see that sort of information. So generally or not generally for years, I've said, I don't think black people should participate in those type of events. Uh, I don't see where it solves any problems. And more importantly, white people will just come out and do the same thing tomorrow. Like we will just be protesting forever and it doesn't seem to solve the problem. So that's my recommendation. But if it is, if you think it's going to, you know, improve your spirits, you'll feel better if you are out with some other, you know, victims of racism, that solidarity, if you think it'll boost your spirits, do it. You know what you need to, uh, to feel better and boost your spirits. Um, I'm not surprised about the, the tackiness in the, work environment uh, in terms of I have not seen mad TV but it doesn't surprise me Um, that's one of those it reminded me of our female caller from before I have worked in those type of settings um, like a residential facility and a lot of times that will be in the policy and procedure about what is acceptable viewing content. That is the type of thing that staff is supposed to proctor like I mean that's that's what they would tell us like hey that is that is not appropriate change that channel right now find exactly what you said that's exactly what is supposed to happen now do we have a policy of it just go right to policy and procedure about that and if they come oh it's just funny so we don't have a policy on what is acceptable content everything is just jokes and giggles that's on television really that would be one i'd want in writing too but write that down everything is just giggles boom 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 getting my notes no problem that might even one I don't know if you do the recording but oh yeah because I am sure if it was I don't know you wanted to come in there and play somebody that was telling raunchy humor uh, about so called uh, Jews concentration camps if they were you know making up some raunchy content about that I'm pretty sure it would not be oh that's just you know Ha, ha, ha. I'm sure if it was Minister Farrakhan and he was giving his Savior's Day speech and talking about white people, I'm pretty sure it would. Oh, that's that's just ha ha. Minister. Everybody loves Minister Farrakhan. That's my favorite black person. Right. Uh, but document. I would just document their responses uh, for that about, you know, what is serious? What's funny? And is this in policy and procedure about acceptable uh, viewing content for the residents that we're supposed to be monitoring? Um, definitely keep it up. I know it's challenging with the exit plan in the middle of all of this. Like, wow, super difficult. Like probably would, might have to do temperature checks now for an interview, according to the report that we just read. So, yeah, just uh, try as best you can to not get discouraged uh, in the middle of all of this. As I said, just doing things to keep your spirits up keep your spirits up like wow 2020 has been massively challenging trying as best we can just to uh get through this man uh much obliged for sharing be in toronto uh, i guess if you do go to the protest you can let us know uh what goes down 
uh, retired firefighter. Uh, much obliged for your patience, sir. Yes, sir. Greetings, everyone. Greetings, uh, Gus. Uh, first thing I would uh, say is uh, for Miss B to uh, hang in there. Keep doing the best you can uh, in your uh, in your task. Um, yes, uh, I. Uh, have uh, lately had some concern about uh, uh, younger uh, non-white black uh, students uh, that uh, attend uh, historical black colleges, uh, even under times uh, before a pandemic. Uh, the situations have always been uh, uh, problematic. Uh, because, uh, of course, because of the majority of, uh, uh, I would say, possibly employees as well as I know for sure student student uh, uh, enrollment, uh, automatically the global system of racist white supremacy overall is going to uh, negatively impact uh, that environment. And with the pandemic going on, it makes it even more complicated. Uh, and uh, you know, just concerned about what what will be the uh, possible negative adjustments that would be made uh, as uh, this pandemic and the unfortunate normalcy of racism and white supremacy continues. Uh, because we're talking about these are uh, the. Uh, level or generation of people who with uh, the advantage of youth uh, to embark on employment uh, that would assist, that could possibly assist others uh, in a uh, constructive manner. Uh, And, you know, historical colleges uh, still produces that as far as uh, that that particular type of uh, uh, accreditation as far as uh, diploma more so than anywhere else as far as other institutions is concerned as far as black people concerned for whatever those whatever the uh, on the college level on what kind of employment uh, is uh, that comes out of uh, uh, colleges, you know, such as, uh, of course, we need uh, doctors. The world actually needs doctors, lawyers, people that can build and and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and it's even extended because, you know, you, uh, just because a uh, non-white black person goes to one of the more uh, wealthier uh, colleges and universities, that doesn't mean that they uh, don't have any uh, that their problems are uh, uh, less or anything like that. You know, simply because of uh, the system of racism by supremacy. And just you know, just one I, I saw an article uh, 
dealing with quote unquote student athletes and the, the disparaging differences uh, that the NCAA, according to the article, uh, poses on uh, the historical black colleges and uh, versus the uh, the University of Alabama, the uh, University of Miami's. Uh, and whatnot, that sort of thing, as far as uh, making a sport ineligible because of uh, uh, the difference in grades. But at the same time, as far as resources are concerned, uh, there's a a disparaging difference in the resources for the students at a uh, Florida A&M as it would be for Florida State. and uh, so uh, that, you know, from the standpoint of a student that happens to be an athlete, also it, it would affect that element of uh, non-white black people. Uh, and this is not so much as much as a sport issue. I'm not, I'm very little concerned about that uh, other than that, uh, that activity like it did for me, it uh, aided into financing my means to get through uh, five years, five and a half years of college and two college degrees. And uh, I certainly certainly have, uh, for the past 30, almost 40 years, that, that has been my reasoning for coaching is to uh, assist like others have helped me when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, and uh, just some thoughts on it. I, I, I heard, I heard your, your statement regarding uh, uh, the uh, particular violations that may be in a business. Uh, and it certainly, is, it certainly uh, is a situation where the fire department does do inspections. Uh, you know, I've, I've been so long away from the fire department, I've almost forgot exactly what some of those uh, things that uh, they look for. Uh, some, of, some of it is obvious, such as, uh, you know, uh, fire extinguishers, uh, and for those extinguishers to be operational and be in the correct place, uh, viable exits. You know, that's what I heard something about that uh, in some of these places, some of those places that they had chains on the on the doors. No, uh, that that would be a situation where that place would uh, be uh, suspended until they they get those things right. Uh, in a lot of cases, uh, but then again, I'm the system of racist white supremacy. You know, uh, some things uh, they have a. The system itself has a level of power where they can avoid uh, something, you know. So, I mean, I don't know exactly, but I do know they do. Uh, when I was uh, working, that that was something that we did was uh, do inspections, do inspections, and then uh, give a report to that employer, and they were supposed to uh, adhere to whatever the state uh, says that they're supposed to uh improve on or change based on the, uh, the guidelines. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's all my thoughts. Uh, basically what I do on this program is 
I listen to uh, to others and their concerns, uh, and it's something that I may have experienced similar or have seen. Uh, I would give uh, some sort of suggestions on, and uh, that's all I'm saying right now. Thank you. I'll continue listening. Much obliged, retired firefighter. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade neutralizing workplace racism. Uh, the number to dial again is 605 313 5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Make sure you don't wait till the last minute if you have thoughts, suggestions on what has been shared. Uh, if anyone has asked you about, you know, the protest, what do you think of that? George Floyd, isn't that crazy? They've tried to goad you into getting into some of that dialogue in the workplace. Feel free to let us know. Um, that's what I thought. Like, you can't be chaining the doors. Like, suspension shuts you down. Like, you know, that's absurd. Not, oh, come on now. Got chains up. <laughs> Come on, Bill. Get those chains off the door. We'll come back. You better not have them there next time. Come on now. Give me a side of chicken as we get out of the air. Come on now. Come on now. Uh, the HBC. Am I able to share again? Yes, sir, Mr. Reed. I just wanted to say real quick, the HBCUs, I did see a report today where uh, Congress allocated additional funding specifically for HBCUs, but as all things with the system of white supremacy, it was noted that this still might not be enough. Uh, for many of them, uh, because this has just been, you know, devastating. Just wanted to get that in. Might have more to say about that on the report tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Reed. Um, yeah, I have had some additional commentary um, pertaining, but let me follow up with, with um, the firefighters comments. The source that I read from said that this plant had never been inspected in 11 years never been inspected and that it seems likely to me and i don't know for sure of course but it seems likely to me for a business to operate 11 years without a fire code inspection somebody was being paid off and that's why i think culpability uh for that deadly fire extends more than just to the owner and the managers of that plant um, I just wanted to share that. Um, Gus, you said something about when we go on our jobs, we have no friends. And that reminded me of something that was just told to my daughter on her new job by, white, by her white supervisor. What had occurred was, okay, my daughter used to work at um, um, Chrysler Daimler plant here in Mount Holly is one of the largest employers in Gaston County. So it's totally shut down now. So my daughter went to a temp agency and she was for, fortunate enough to get a supervisor's job at a plant that makes fire extinguishers. And, and coincidentally, this plant is in the county where Dylan Rufus was from, where he lived, um, you know, that white terrorist. Um, but so she was fortunate enough uh, through this temp agency to get a supervisor's position, supervising a line 
um, manufacturing these fire extinguishers. So the so the line was down for whatever reason. Uh, they couldn't work. And she told me that this uh, older black woman who probably was about my age, but certainly older than my daughter. And who, and my daughter's still in her, she's about 25 now. So anyway, the woman started making what they call small talk with her. And then she was asking her about her previous job and, and saying, well, how much was you making on your previous job? And, and how much of a pay cut did you have to take to come here? And the whole the woman's intent was to find out what my daughter was being paid, which you're not supposed to talk about that on the job. Um, every I don't know if it's some unwritten rule or if it's in the employee handbook or what have you, but that's been I've been told that on every job that I can recall, you know, having on on a plantation like that. You're not supposed to discuss uh, your pay because it could cause problems. This black woman then took the information that she had gleaned quite deceptively from my daughter um, and then posted it on Facebook for all the other employees to see how much she was making. Then all of a sudden there's grumbling on the job about how much she's making, um, you know, not even taking into account, she's in a supervisory role. You, you're on the line. You have totally two different positions. And then, you know, saying that some of, some of the black workers start, one black guy in particular start giving her a problem when a machine broke and he was the only one on the line that knew how to fix it. Mind you, she just started working there. And he was like, well, if I was getting paid what you're getting paid, I would know how to fix it. And, and, you know, wouldn't help her, wouldn't show her how to fix it. Um, this plant is staffed mostly by, my daughter told me, black people, Hispanic people, and using her words, meth mouth white people. You know, meth, crystal meth is a big problem in, in some of these rural counties and what have you. And so then, so this turns into this big old thing, and then so she gets called up by um, her supervisor and the owner to talk, to discuss that. And my daughter said, I didn't mean to tell her what I was making. Um, she kind of, you know, uh, um, got that out of me, you know, in a deceptive way. I'm paraphrasing what my daughter told them. She said, is this going to be a problem? And they said, no, you've been doing excellent work since you've been here. Uh, your line is meet your, your line production is meeting all the quotas that we set. But the white woman going to tell her these people are not your friends and that you are cut from a different cloth than them. Now, I told, I told my daughter, she is correct about when you go on the job, you're not going on the job to make friends and what have you and engage in, in small talk and, and what have you. Um, you know, so, yes, you be nice to people. Um, you know, you treat them with respect, the same respect that you want them to show towards you. But when it comes to, you know, asking you questions, personal questions about what you're making, what you used to make and all of that, no, you, sh you should avoid those type of co uh, um, comments. But also do not think that you better than anybody else. That woman saying you cut from a, a, a different cloth or what have you, 
could be a way to make you think, you know, you better than these other people and what have you. And that's not, that's not the case at all. You possibly were raised in these people, uh, were raised in, you know, it is what it is, but don't think that makes you, because this white woman told you you have no friends and you cut from a different cloth, that that makes you better than anybody else on their job. You should always treat people with respect. But I thought it was interesting that this white, you know, her white supervisor told her she has no friends. And, and you know, that's a true statement when you're on the job. That's all. Thanks. Black Talk Radio Network founder, Mr. Scotty Reed, much obliged for sharing. Um, sometimes racists, they do share logical, truthful information. I have had that. We have had white people come on this program. Mr. Reed has had white people come on his program who share accurate. We have had individuals who classify themselves as racist who will sometimes share accurate logical information and they will do the exact same thing they'll come right behind that you got no friends on the job just heard that myself and then oh you're not cut from the same cloth as the others you're cut from a different cloth that's cut from a different cloth we picked up compensatory calling that's the one we said pay attention to those metaphors once they start you just pay attention make a note you can think about it a little later cut from a different cloth what does that what does that mean exactly <laughs> like, uh, and just think about that one but uh number one the no front like wow wow I, I mean i have seen and i mean this is like super recent like within the last maybe 18 months or so very recent where there's been like a push. Oh, we should be more transparent about salaries. And you know, that's been exactly what you said. It's been a big taboo. You know, you don't discuss salaries. You don't tell people what you make and you know, that's wrong. And that's why we have these big pay disparities and that should be open. Like what people make and blah, blah. But that's super recent. Vast majority of people is exactly, it's exactly what Mr. Reed said. Like you're not going around telling everybody your salary and putting that up on, you know, the whiteboard at work and that sort of thing. Or I I guess for some jobs they do like uh, universities and such, but generally that's not the case. Um, For that, just say it again. You know, that's why I'm not into the brother and sister. I think that that, you know, that happens a lot of time where we can kind of be, I have done it myself. I still do it myself where we can kind of be lulled into, you know, Oh, this is, this is a, this is another victim, you know, and this is another person classified as black. They got a lot of melanin. I got a lot of melanin. So right on, that's my brother. That's my sister right on. I test, you know, it's easy. You do the handshakes and all that at the end of the day, all of that is not worth much of anything in a system of white supremacy is certainly not worth enough. Uh, those type of incidents uh, where we sit around, hey sister, how you doing? Blah blah blah. Okay, how long you been working here? Wow, how much you make? Oh wow, sister, that's great. Go ahead, I'm so proud of you. Go ahead, sister. And so you she goes and posts it like what in the world? Like we have heard that sort of thing like so many times where we've heard uh, we've had people who said that they talked to another black person on the job about race. So they're like, really, 
Really, sister? Oh, okay, okay. Neely Fuller Jr. I've never. Oh, okay. Brought the book in and gave it to him, and they went to wife and like, do you see what this coon is? <laughs> Let me think of some of the other good movies. We've a bunch of them about talking about racism. That's why I said you should not be talking about anything that happened this week or racism related. We've had people who said they were on the job, were sharing some of their views about racism. Really? Wow, that's your definition of racism? Hmm. And they would just go and tell white people everything. It ended up changing their whole dynamic in the way. You do not have friends in the workplace. The black people are not your homies, your pals, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, anything else. Unfortunately, as the same thing I said before, I get to repeat myself a lot. White people have been very successful in the system of white supremacy there is lots of evidence to come to a conclusion on some things that is one that what Mr. Reed just described that is the manifestation of how successful they have been unless it's a black person that you like we are homies like we went to kindergarten together <laughs> like we super like a uh, retired firefighter when they had the Opalaka three like we are in it I know these counter races like okay fine you got your you all have built up whatever trade if that's not the case I'm going to same thing I've said for years I'm going to talk to you as though everything I say is going to be repeated to every single person who works in this company they're going to have it in braille spanish english german latin 500 other languages it's going to be online streamed whole night we'll have somebody doing sign language all of that i'm comfortable with that they have a transcript of it the whole night i'm comfortable with that that's the way that we're thinking all the time in every single thing that we say in the workplace it's unfortunate but that's the way that we need to be thinking like talking to a white person talking to it doesn't matter I'm in the workplace I'm speaking as though everybody can hear everything that I'm saying right they got Alexa right we've had people who said that too that they had Alexa and didn't even know the supervisor was listening to everything that they were talking about 2020 no privacy in the workplace Uh, but that white woman I did not forget that white man so she gives you one no friends in the workplace absolutely And then she comes back. You are cut from a different cloth. That reminds me. I get to mention her again. The grandsister. Dr. Frances Cresswells. She used to love to tell that story. She said she was uh, with a white person. Probable race soldier. And they said the same thing or something really close. Like you're not like the other black people. You're you're different from the other black people. (laughs) Dr. Wells. She used to say she would give him a halt. Don't you ever say that again like, oh, you're not like the other Negroes. If the other Negroes were just like you, we wouldn't have this. Dylan Roof wouldn't even have to go out and shoot up the folks at the church if the other Negroes could just act like you. Yeah, you're you're different from that. They'll give you one, but they're always going to come back to practice racism. You don't have any friends in the workplace like nobody. You are there, an army of one. I'm on my P's and Q's at all times. Man, much obliged, Mr. Reed. I'm sorry your daughter had to experience that, but that seemed like not too painful, thankfully. I mean, that I don't want to have anybody with a problem happens in the workplace and their response is, if I made what you made, I'd know how to do this. <laughs> like, that's like, wow. And to have to take that from another black person, like, hmm. 
But it sounds like, at least for the time being, she's making it. She didn't get fired or anything. So lesson learned, hopefully, at a young age. And she can apply this and, you know, do well and get a super raise for handling that well. Uh, apparently, I missed. I thought there were I had read all the emails. And then B said she emailed me. And I was like, wait a minute. Did she? And I looked and I missed quite a few. So let me see if I can squeeze in the other emails that people wrote. Uh, so this is Black Mail. Uh, good evening, Gus, and to all the callers. I have a workplace observation. None of the sus- come on now. None of the suspected racists are taking this pandemic seriously. They are touching their face, not wearing a mask or gloves. It seems as soon as Memorial Day passed and the reopening of some businesses, coronavirus just disappeared. We had a safety meeting and nobody was practicing social distancing except for me at the safety meeting. (laughs) Who was in charge of the like, come on, come on, get your hands off of him, Martha. We're social distancing. Stop touching him. Stop eating with the same. I mean, what is continuing? uh, One thing I appreciate about the coronavirus coronavirus is the mask. I am no longer being accused of not smiling. However, even with a mask, suspected racists will go out of the way to strike up a tacky conversation while talking to a fellow employee about the task that needs to be accomplished. His phone rings. He doesn't answer, but tells me this number calls him several times a day. I said, oh, that happens a lot to me if I look something up or apply for something, I would get junk mail or robocalls. He said, I put an end to that. I told him, the caller, oh my gosh. All right, so my pattern has been to just read, you know, to just read what they say, unsanitizing, because racists, they sanitize a lot. So I'm just going to read it as it is. So this is vulgar, but, you know, uh, if you have sensitive ears or young people, you can avert your ears now. Uh, he said, I put it into that. I told the caller in quotes, I would suck your dick if you stop calling me. My response was, if you did that, I don't think that would get him to stop calling. Straight tacky. My second encounter with a racist suspect was brief on lunch, minding my own business. He comes up to me and says, hey, bro, don't hit my whip, bro, bro, Ugh. nails on a chalkboard. I didn't say a word to him, just performed. Wait a minute. I didn't say a word to him, just looked at him and nodded my head. Mind you, we are on lunch no tasks are being performed just a racist suspect way of trying to be funny triple tease construction victim <laughs> con vic that's so funny that first comment in my view that is a violation of policy and procedure. Now, I'm glad uh, he included at the end so we get the context this is a construction company so they generally allow a lot more crudeness Uh, And what have you, where you can make those type of jokes and probably nigger jokes and all the rest. I think where I might be because we have several construction workers uh, who listen to the broadcast. So it might not be him specifically, but I know we have we have heard from other construction workers who have talked about their white colleagues making racist jokes while they were out on sites. And I 
my understanding is that is very common. All of that said, that type of comment in the Bill Cosby era, like, oh man, do not ever talk to me about anything like that at Walter Beach the third like whoa 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 <laughs> like uh, I put that in the category when we got white people they want to come and talk to you about all of their polyamorous uh, activity and you know having an open marriage and they go out and have group sex we talked about that with Dr. Africa yesterday they want to talk to you about all that and have an affair uh, on their wife and you know they we had some they just said we just had they, they come in and talk about B said the white woman they wants to come in and talk about all the black people that she sleeps with and all, all of that halt give them the Dr. Welsing black self respect halt do not ever talk to me about that again that would be my recommendation that if that's a supervisor somebody you don't feel comfortable that's not you know a part of your counter racist package whew, I might have to look at the handbook on that if we're not on a construction site man that Bill Cosby era let me get the handbook out immediately like pfft, don't you ever say anything like that to me in a workplace context again imagine anybody Imagine Ahmad Arbery in a work environment saying that to a white woman, saying that to a white man. Imagine George Floyd saying that in a work environment. The vulgarness, triple T's, triple T's. Uh, Star Six One, are there folks we missed totally who have commentary? Folks that we. Uh, been hanging out haven't heard from at all i guess i need to check the switchboard again i'll check the switchboard again let's see star six one for folks that are listening in if you have commentary to share 605-313-5164 the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate we have folks that had commentary Hi, Gus. Can I say one more thing? Who is this? Which, uh, missing the voice here. It's nobody. It's the oh, Bay Area mom. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So at my job, we are, we do take, we're supposed to take our temperature before we, um, go into the client's home, each client, and we're only allowed to. Mm-hmm. Because since we had the pandemic, so we do, we're supposed to take our temperature, and if we're not feeling good, feel any kind of way um, that's not normal, we can cancel the session. Or if the child or anyone in the home looks sick or is just overcoughing, oversleeping, we can cancel the session as well. So those are the, um, we don't have to wear masks, but we, we are supposed, they gave us thermometers before implementing this uh, structure, and we do take our temperature um, before we go into the home. So that's I wanted to add that because I forgot. Right on, right on. That is good. I would use that like, yeah, if they if they give you that type of latitude, if you know, people look like they're sick or coughing, we are canceling. Peace out. We'll catch you when everybody is, you know, doing well and not coughing. Uh but yeah, thank you for sharing. Other folks, if they are if they're doing that type of thing in your workplace, 
let us know. That is interesting about the pattern of white people not taking it serious in the workplace, because I think that's that's been the case for people who've wrote in for a few weeks now, uh, them saying that the white people are not wearing gloves, they're touching their face and, you know, not social distancing. That's how we had the person who called and he said that they had a pizza party in the workplace like they were they were taking uh pics for instagram and all that with their slices and doing all that nonsense i think somebody said that they called and snitched to the uh the health inspector and uh the mayor came out on tv and shamed them and got them to stop doing all that nonsense but yeah we've we've heard that consistently white people in workplaces not taking this seriously uh i'll sneak in the other emails uh this is a female victim of racism black female victim of racism uh, I'm unsure if this constitutes as workplace racism, uh, but it is sure workplace tackiness. It's about the same. Uh, I currently work from home. There was a meeting a few days ago. I raised a legitimate concern and the CEO, along with the supervisors, could only talk about all the wine they were drinking and how drunk they were getting. And pause again. The worst combination in the known universe Whites, alcohol, bad things are going to happen. It is a matter of like seconds. You do not want to be present. Continuing. So they're drinking all the wine. Absolutely nothing constructive was spoken out. Why would that be the case? I was asking about ways to make the team better, how to make the workday run more efficiently. And I got shut down and was told I need to stay positive. (laughs) I got accused of having an at oh, uh oh. I got accused of having an attitude, although I wasn't on the mic. All my questions were sent via. T- <laughs> this would be both. This would be tacky and racism. If you get accused of being an angry black female and you're not even on the microphone, you're just asking questions about you know things that we can do to try to make us more money and make us a better company, and they just want to talk about how they got liquored up and drunk. Triple T, uh, that is the system of rate. You don't have any friends in the workplace. And the same thing I just said, worst combination in the known universe, whites, alcohol. How are you drunk on a Zoom call? That's why. And they sit around and wonder, like, how do these Zoom calls keep ending in fiascos with penises and swastikas and nigger and all this racist rants? White people and alcohol, racists and alcohol, either way you want to say it. Uh, let's see. I got accused of having an attitude, although I wasn't on the mic. All my questions were sent via chat. It is not a coincidence. The next day, my system was buggy and kept shutting down sporadically. I doubt that is a coincidence myself. Might have some tech wizards uh, and they got, you know, I don't know if you had to get spyware on your computer or anything like that. So they can keep tabs on you and all that. But that is triple T. And them practicing racism, white supremacy. And that's another one. There's so many of these illustrations. Now imagine anybody here, because we got we've had a number of folks who said that they've been on Zoom conferences. Now imagine you're at home and you're drunk and talking about how much you've been drinking during, you know, the pandemic and all that. I don't know if they had wine glasses up, you know, and are toasting while they're doing the Zoom call, but just imagine that's your conduct for your Zoom conference, your workplace conference is all about, you know, narcotics. And how much you've been inebriated over the pandemic. Right. Uh, other folks, uh, if you have commentary that you wanted to share, if you have a hand up, line should be open. 
may I be heard? Greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I was thinking about, I don't know if I shared this, but um, I think this is constructive where I would either um, get like a, a customer compliment, and if it was an email, I would save those emails where they would either, like either the supervisor would send me a letter that came in the mail that came from a customer uh, talking about the customer service. Uh, so far, I've gotten like four, I believe, this year. And most, most uh, recently, I spoke with someone in, <laughs> uh, I think this may have been a white person, and she, she said, you know, you're very patient. Thanks for helping me uh, find out information on marriage license and everything. And you are the nicest person that I've spoken to at that courthouse. You should work at Bradford County because they have nice people over there. But no, they need you there because <laughs> they, she, she said I'm the nicest person that she spoke to. I'm like, I'm in my head thinking nobody else was courteous. So uh, I wanted to start out by saying that, like I've been starting to document all of the emails that I get from the email request and the person um, will make a compliment. So I'm thinking that's constructive to say those. So if I want to use those uh, one day. And my next one is the new circuit writer a newsletter came out and uh, they were talking about once again the tacky images of the people working from home at the laptops and having their pets and everything like that and it just seemed like it was uninteresting to me so uh, and I did get a a situation where someone I think well the black male he brought in biscuits okay and he said oh well you know did you want any biscuits anything he had mentioned it to me and then he said it again I said man I I just been so busy with customers I just hadn't gotten the chance to get on over there he said okay well you know you gotta hurry up they're gonna be gone I said oh that's just too bad that's how that's exactly how it went. Um, but I thought about what you meant about, and really, before this uh, COVID-19 thing started happening, I wasn't doing that to begin with. You know, I stopped doing the participating, but especially now, bringing in food products and then uh, people touching on everything, breathing on everything, I just don't think that's constructive or very healthy and safe. And my next one is... The click has uh, come together again, it looks like, uh, because the first is that I've been experimenting where this week I worked with two groups because we split into two separate groups, given that we have a reduced staff. And the main or one of the main ones 
I noticed he was speaking very loudly uh, across the room. And once again, a lot of them aren't having on any mask either. Um, and she's saying things about the supervisor behind their back, as they say. And just saying a bunch of petty stuff like, well, I got to make up this sign to put on the front counter to direct customers and she could just do this from home at the printer just like I can. So every every single thing, every single tacky, uh, unprofessional comment is, is being documented, okay? In um, uh, her behavior, like for instance, one where she speaks to a lady that's non-white, and they're both non-white, this person has an accent. So she'll say something to her that's said to insult the person and the other person with the accent is almost trying to ingratiate to be accepted by this person. And she's doing nothing but humiliating her even more. So it's obviously sadistic. Um, for example, um, this person likes to do little uh, sing-song type of comments because there's not very many people here at uh, the work schedule or whatever. So she'll sing well-known songs or whatever from the 80s or 90s or whatever. And she once said, oh, you know, I'm losing it or whatever. I guess trying to be, as they call, funny. And the, the clique member says, oh, well, Blank, I don't think you had it to begin with. Okay. Oh, I'm losing it. Well, I don't think you had it to begin with. And, you know, she says it with kind of like a humorous tone, but that's obviously, you know, uh, greatly insulting the person. And she, she'll say, oh, well, I'm losing it. They'll say stuff like that, to, as they say, put themselves out there, but they're trying to um, become, I guess, friendly or, accepted by the people that and only that's only going to insult them. So they do this kind of stuff. And another one where this click member had an issue with a customer in the drive-thru. So this person was holding up the line and she didn't want to uh, move forward. Like, you know, we got we to gotta move these cars out because we got to serve other people. And she needed to, the person gave a check through the window and she didn't get a receipt. So she's like, I'm not moving. Uh, and the click member had to find a way to generate a receipt for the person. So they called her down from the drive-thru saying, well, the lady, uh, I finally got her to move up front. So she's waiting for her receipt. And she said if no one brings her receipt or someone hits her car, then she's going to sue for the people here being incompetent or something like that. So this person says, I'm going to go outside and run into her car. All right. And so I documented that one. Um, uh, my last one is the same person was talking to another person that I went in today with the second group. And I noticed her behavior was different. All right. And she even came over to the side of where I'm uh, on the reject side, the nigger side or whatever. And she actually sat and did uh, a request that was given to her. 
Now, but when we were working on the other group early on in the week, she didn't do that. But, oh, but when the white supervisor's there, that behavior changed. You see what I'm saying? So that's another experiment. I thought that was constructive. But she was conversing with a second click member, and that person said, you know, my baby's going to grow up saying, I can already see that he's going to grow up saying a, a lot of few choice words. That's how she phrased it. And the other person responded, oh, in your household? No. See the sarcasm right there? That's the kind of stuff. And they're good at doing this. So these females are absolutely disgusting. Uh, and that's all I have for now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Hmm. What do, you, what do you think it was about the white supervisor's presence that motivated this uh, clique member to come hang out on the, the Negro side? I think it's because like, when they do the scheduling, uh, they see her name was supposed to be listed under where mine is and to help do requests that have something to do with where the jobs that I do. So she has knowledge of things uh, that are in the area where I work on. And when supervisor isn't in the other group, so she's kind of able to, say these things and behave in certain ways that she wouldn't as if the white supervisor were there. So when you got the black person over on the other side, <laughs> she's like, oh, well, you know, uh, you can just give that to him. And I know that, I know that white woman uh, reported that, but she made it seem like she didn't because she was coming from the drive-thru and the person in the car needed... Um, to find a copy and she didn't help her and she came in to try to uh, request me if I knew I was on the phone so she tells the white lady oh well just go just go see if he has it and she comes over there and I'm on the phone so she's been negligent in helping in the area where I'm at so I just don't think it's constructive for me to even mention it to her because I'm just doing the work um, on my own. And just like another person in another uh, shift is doing it on their own, but they try to at least have two people do uh, different jobs in different areas. So she's supposed to be assigned to be a secondary means of helping me out. But she doesn't seem to do that as much as she did in the group she did today because I think that white supervisor is there. So she doesn't want to um, be addressed and confronted by the white person. So she knows that she is a white in that regard. Mm. Very interesting. Got it. Got it. Now I see. Okay. And they even now see even that, like if you're just going to come over and still, you know, yeah, he can do it. Yeah. Just pawn it off on him and be incompetent in doing your work so that you have to catch you know people want to come in and I mean that's white supremacy we talk about that having lazy white people on the job or lazy wannabe white people uh, on the job and how that impacts uh, black people all the time Uh, I mean you want to talk about a pandemic like man trifling shiftless white people uh, and how that impacts black people like that's been a huge chunk of uh, workplace racism uh, over the years um, 
let's see. What else do we have? We had were the biscuits homemade or was this like they went to like McDonald's or Church's Chicken and got the biscuits and like brought them in? I think it was Chick-fil-A, I think. Mm, I used to love Chick-fil-A. I talked to a listener about that. They didn't I don't think they've had Chick-fil-A very long in uh the Washington area, so it's been like years since I've had Chick-fil-A, but uh they have them here now. But wow. Woo-wee. Talk about Tubby. I used to love Chick-fil-A. That would have been ah, oh, but yeah. Chick-fil-A is not worth the Rona. Like the biscuits, I remember them being pretty good, but that is not worth the Rona. And even if we were not in the Rona, same thing I said. It's just not a good look in a system of racism to be I am Pavlov and oh, they brought in food oh, and I've got like, come on. It's like I'm not participating in the potlucks. Hopefully I'm being compensated well enough. I can get food. Thank you. I'm not starving. Uh, not to mention you just talked about the Tyson chicken plant. You just talk about that. They can't even go to the bathroom. Like eating more vegetables, minding what we eat. Like lots of reasons. Like, man, I'm good. Like I will, I will pass. Oh, they ran out of biscuits. Oh man, woof! I missed them. Thank you kindly, brother. Uh, let's see. We got the biscuits. Oh, the brain trashing uh, of the non-white person who's trying to. That is very common. That's another one in terms of uh, the victim who's trying to hang out with this racist and the racist is just humiliate humiliating them and putting them down and all of that that is very very common uh, in the system of white supremacy that's people that have power uh white people are, these are the, are the folks who if we want a promotion uh if we want to raise if we want to get hired uh if we want a loan a whole lot of things these are the folks that we got to go to so yeah I'm, I'm i'm hoping peggy will like me if i hang out long enough and you know, I'll bring her some muffins and coffee, latte, whatever it is. And, you know, maybe one of these days she'll accept me and just not grasping. Nope. You are classified as non-white. That is not going to change. You're going to be humiliated and mistreated forever. You might get that raise, but you are still going to be humiliated and mistreated. Like just a different understanding of what we have here and the brain trend in terms of victims of racism who, you know, just kind of endure this behavior and hope that someday they'll be able to break through. That's why I said racists, they have been very successful. That's why you have the situation. Mr. Reed talked about with his uh, daughter, uh, where this other victim gets her salary information and then go, you know, snitches to share that information with everybody else. Uh, I think you had even mentioned before the caller in Florida, uh, there were a pair of black females. They were working at the desk uh, and they were upset, rightfully so, uh, and saying we're not valued. You know, they don't appreciate us at all. They got us up here working hard, probably because of some lazy white people not doing their work with them, too. And we're up here working all hard and they don't do anything for us. They don't appreciate us at all. And then you walked by and said, oh. We're not with him. Yeah, we're not with him. We don't social. Yeah, get on, get away from right. <laughs> like, that's the brain trashing. You know, I'd rather be over here with these white people. They can talk bad about me and call me names and all the rest of it. You know, I, I hope to get on their good side as opposed to we could all, you know, see if we can all get along and be brothers and sisters and try to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Racists have been very, very successful. Unfortunate. That's why we're trying to solve this problem. Uh, get your receipt. That's what I learned. Get your receipt. Dr. Cambon said that like if she was that emphatic about it, if you put some cash down, particularly in these days, like you could be accused of stealing anything. You're a male, anything. Get your receipt. That's what I learned. Um, 
and the ta- I was going to guess he said it was a click member the the white woman who said uh, oh she's going to sue I'll go out and hit her with my car I said now that sounds like the type the, the same type of racist spirit that would do some of that social media posting uh, Nazi uh, about the, the mask and all that I don't know if that's the same person uh, but you did mention it was a click member is that is that one of the, the ladies that's been doing the social media griping about the masks oh no but see they both know each other though but this is another one that's, that's a different one just it sounded like a similar spirit they are definitely uh kindred mindset uh i think to go and again these are folks working at the courthouse what happened to you know spirit of civic duty and we're here to help out the good citizens of the sunshine state matter of fact that's why you have folks come in that right there when he said dr kambon said that he he recommend i give him two plugs uh dr kamal kambon uh, you can visit his website, KamalKambon.org. Uh, but he says that if you get any uh, superlatives, uh, if you work with folks and a customer is really impressed with the job that you did and they send an email or whatever, like, man, get that in the file. Like that might be the difference in, you know, you getting a raise or, or anything. Get that in the file. If people have constructive comments on the work uh, that you do. Uh, but that's what I was going to say. Like the bar is real low for customer service at the courthouse. Like, man, you all got security officers who are threatening to shank people and making racist jokes. Uh, you got folks up there who are trying to push their Trump paraphernalia and being rude to folks trying to get their passport uh, information together. I mean, the bar is real low for customer service uh, at the Florida courthouse, apparently. So. Yeah, that is. I'm sure you're doing excellent work, but it's not exactly like you are around. They're accused of practicing racism left and right. They accuse the black fella they are sexual harassment. <laughs> like the bar is real low for customer service at the uh, Florida courthouse, unfortunately. But doing exemplary work in spite of not a whole lot of good examples for you to follow there. Apparently, uh, let's see. Other folks. Uh, Let's see. Anybody that we missed totally, if you have a hand up, anything that you want to make sure you get in before we sign out, we have about five minutes. Get your hand up now. Do not wait until. Uh, well, this is the last minute, so you should get your hand up right now. Uh, anything else uh, folks need to make sure that they get in? We will be here uh, tomorrow. Compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, The report on HBCUs, uh, retired firefighter just mentioned his concerns uh, about the folks at HBCUs not getting uh, the assistance and the shutdown and all of this having a a tremendous impact on folks at those institutions. Uh, I think there will be more information about that tomorrow. Uh, As I said, Congress, they passed our resolution to try to get them more funding, but probably will not be enough generally as is the case with the system of white supremacy. So that'll definitely be one aspect uh, to pay attention to uh, within this whole crisis. Uh, My suggestion again, uh, I would recommend not participating in any of the so-called riots, uh, disturbances, a lot of, yep. Just making sure it was seven shot seven individuals shot during Louisville.
protest. Breonna Taylor and George Lloyd. Not sure. I don't think any of them were fatal, but I don't really want to be shot. I don't know how me getting shot makes better the murder of Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or Michael Brown Jr. or Eric Garner or anyone else. But we'll be here tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Compensatory call-in. We'll catch up on the past week of activities. Uh, everybody satisfied? Anything else folks need to make sure they get in? Are we all good? Hey, Gus, I, um, I have one more uh, observation, if I could share. Yes, sir. Uh, and that just reminded me, a lot of the people are uh, working remotely from home, and this was very revealing as well. Uh, this person, same one, uh, was saying that she was given or was sent an email by the supervisor from the supervisor about a post on social media. Um, I don't know. I think it was a Snapchat. And she went on saying that, well, I just don't know who could have, who could have shown her the picture. And she said, was it a name? And then she said the name of another clay member said, no, nah, I couldn't be her. You know, she, she, she helped me, uh, she helped me get up in the morning. She called me before the computers came on. So they already got a code, uh, where, you know, each other doesn't get in trouble for not logging on at a certain time. So yeah, uh, heavily connected with each other. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to add. That would seem like some sort of violation of policy and procedure if they're, you know, got some sort of scheme like that where they can make sure that they're logged on even if they're not there. And those, t- I mean, wow, <laughs> like Voltron, although I'm not surprised, like they have all types of schemes like that where they can, you know, this person is logged on or they're not here. They're out doing a smoke break or whatever. But wow. Uh when you're talking to one white person, their network is strong. You're probably talking to many, many of them, at least all the ones who work in that building. Man, uh, we will definitely be here, uh, white people permitting, uh, for tomorrow. Compensatory call in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, man, uh, if you participate in any of the protests, I guess, be safe. Uh, we're as safe as possible, but, you know, be prepared. I would just say be be honest, you know, be prepared. Uh, I am willing to die. I'm ready to die. I will not be surprised about it. You know, if I should die at any moment in the protest, be shot, anything, really. If a tank should drop out of the sky, anything, that's the mindset that you would have to have. I am not going to be surprised about anything that could possibly happen, particularly anything bad, because that's generally what takes place. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised upset uh if i should die in the next you know five minutes you know that's what i expected i'm ready to die and i've come you know ready to pay that price for this you know cause whatever this is event is so my recommendation is to avoid all that but if you go be honest about uh what's taking place and let us know report back on you know what unfolded uh we'll be here tomorrow as stated Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. Man, 
sobriety would be best. We do not need to be, uh, we don't need to emulate white people. Let's not be intoxicated on the Zoom call. Uh, we do not, under these stressful times, man, just consuming a lot of alcohol or cigarettes or any other narcotics, that is not the best way. That is not a healthy way. That's not even close to a reasonable way of trying to mitigate some of the stress and pressure that we're under in the midst of all of this. Let's try as best we can to find some constructive ways that are going to replenish, help us heal a little bit, help us deal with all of this insanity as best we can, not just being inebriated. In addition to being sober, it's, you know, kind of opening back up. It's almost June. Um, more places, you know, businesses and things are opening. So uh, if you're going out and about, I would still be really cautious. Uh, it's a lot of pro- social distancing and what have you is still going on. One, some places are not reopening just yet. And you still have a lot of armed race soldiers, sometimes with a badge, sometimes not. You got protests in a lot of places. It's just it is a lot of dangerous and confusion, a lot of dangerous and confusing things taking place in the world that would be reason enough to kind of I'm going to settle down Uh, I'm going (laughs) to be very mindful of where I'm going who I'm around vigilant of my surroundings I'm not just going to be recklessly going out and about I probably would still want to be in after dark Uh, I know it's getting more, it's certainly getting warmer here. I don't know about other places, but I would think it's almost June. It's getting warmer. It's almost summertime. I know it's great to be outside, especially now that it's not cold. I would probably not be doing a whole lot of outside time once it's dark. Um, You do not want to be mistaken for a looter, protester, mailbox thief, like uh, none of the above. Uh, I would be real cautious. Uh, It's just not fun times uh, on the plantation right now Uh, all of that said if you're going to be under the wheel you are sober you're buckled you're not on the cell phone just doing the little things I just said we got a lot of newly armed race soldiers who are probably anxious they're waiting for the boogaloo opportunity to use that new pistol or assault rifle whatever they happen to have minimizing contact with race soldiers badge or no as best we can not on the cell phone while driving that's it creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cows signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. You're a victim. Shut my victim up. of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>